Blog Talk Radio. Carrie Hilson's movie, we'll see. 
Okay, Tobias True. Okay, Tobias True Villain. Okay, Tobias True Villain. I hope I'm saying his name right. Yo, that is the Black Panther. That dude is Black Panther. That dude is that's that's the dude. Tobias, uh, Tob- I'm looking at, let me make him saying his name saying his name at, um, True Villain, yeah, Tobias True Villain, okay, that dude should be the next Black Panther, there should be no questions about it, I, definitely, this dude is it, this dude's got the energy for it, I feel it, I feel like this dude is, and he, and you know the weird thing is, I've seen him in other stuff. Like, you know, he's been one of those, you know, one of those actors that's on the scene, they kind of unsuspecting. Like, you see him in little stuff here and there, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, you see him in little stuff over the years, but this time he really been coming out. And I wonder if somebody having that energy feeling like I'm feeling, like he should be the next Black Panther, like he's putting, he getting himself out there. He should definitely, there's no doubt in my head that this dude should be the next Black Panther. If y'all gonna go continue on with the Black Panther, you gotta call this dude. You gotta find this dude. He should play. He should come in as Chadwick's little brother, Chadwick's little brother, or something taking the throne or something like that. This dude is just is he's he's perfect for that. Perfect. Okay. So anybody who's listening to my show and you know Marvel people, get this guy an audition or something. He shouldn't even be having an audition. He should just they should just put him right in the row. Me and he got the all the makings of it, okay? All right, so we're gonna be talking about uh Carrie Hilson's movie with him. Uh we gotta talk about uh and Tank was in it. Tank Tank, I gotta upload on break Tank's remake. <laughs> Tank, I ain't trying to talk about you. <laughs> no, I am gonna talk about you. Tank you know, listen, let me tell you, Tank is a great look before I before I go in on Tank, okay? Tank is a great songwriter, okay? I often feel like Tank gave a lot of his, too much of his style to Jamie Foxx, right? But Tank is a dude that over the years, like, he, you know, he's creative. He got a creative vibe. I like some, I like the way Tank talks on different, because Tank's been on different things. I know a lot of people have been giving Tank hell for some of the, his thoughts and everything. But I actually like Tank. But Tank actually, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't, you know, I ain't going, I don't even have no concert screaming like y'all girls are, but he's 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 a handsome man. He, I, I like his creative vibe. But he tried to remake a version of this woman's work, okay? Tank. <laughs> Tank. <laughs> we got to listen to it, okay? I'm not, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. Hey, no, 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 and no, and no. <laughs> All right, so we got to talk about that, and we got to talk about uh, Carrie Hilson also during her rounds, okay, when she was going around to do this movie. She talked about Beyonce, the be- alleged Beyonce beef. And, you know, here's what I feel. I feel like everybody's too fucking hard on Carrie Hilson, okay? First of all, Carrie Hilson to me is a beautiful girl, gorgeous. I like her music. Pretty Girl Rocks is a jam, okay? But I, there are certain people, like to me, and this is no diss to her, and, I'm, and I hope that she she would never take this as a diss, okay? And this is because, you know, the thing is I don't see, I haven't, what, what I always found in, uh, weird about Carrie is because, it's hard to place her, 
because she's such a classic beauty. Carrie is like a throwback beauty, like a beauty to the 19, like a like Dorothy Dandridge types and stuff like that. I'm, I'm really see. I like Carrie Hilton. I like her train of thought, everything. You know, she's a deep thinker, everything. But the, 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 the whole thing is, and she's bold. She says what she needs to say. I think she's a Sagittarius. But Carrie, musically, I've never been able to place her because she's such a strong vibe. It's hard to give her imaging. Like she looks kind of, even though she's classic, a classic beauty, she almost looks old for this time. You know what I'm saying? Not old in a bad way, like mature. Like so she she never could quite fit in the Beyonce vibe, never could quite fit. Because this is a Beyonce and Rihanna world, world and that's unfortunate for great acts like her because it's, it's hard to find their her footing you can't i can't i don't know who she is as an artist as a singer and pretty girl rocks which just happened to be a great song right but for me carrie you know carrie musically i, I okay and so remember she said some things several years ago about beyonce and we're going to talk about that and it's haunted the girl ever since okay it's haunted. It's not that she's not as talented as Beyonce, because she is. It's just, you know, be, I, I explain my thoughts on that, and I explain why I think Carrie Hilson should tell people to fuck off when they ask her about Beyonce, okay? This is the energy still, so you don't need to be, you out here acting. The one thing you can do that Beyonce can't do is act. <laughs> Uh, 
You know what? I did, I don't know if I told y'all this the last show. That I discovered a really good show, and I keep trying to tell people to watch it. Russell Brand has a show. Yeah, the dude that used to be married to what's what's, what's the girl's name? The fireworks girl. What's the girl's name? The same fireworks. Oh man, her I, I can't. Y'all know what I'm saying? You the girl is the same. The, what Russell Brand used to be married to her, okay? I, I forget her I forget her name. I, it's, you know, y'all know how I am forgetful about names around here, okay? But he, but he used to be a big, he was a comedian and everything. But he has this really interesting show on YouTube. I'm telling you, I've been watching some of his shows. I mean, he he deals with all kinds of subjects. I mean, and he has a lot of factual information and everything. It's not conspiracy, but he does address conspiracy theories, and I love that. So you guys should take a listen to him if you get a chance to watch that show. Uh, very interesting information. I mean, I really like it. I've really been enjoying watching that, okay? Um, let's talk about – Is it? I don't know if this is going to be – my it's a word for the week, okay? You know how if you just list, just now listening to this show and you're tuning in and you're like, okay, wow, this I'm new to this show. Well, I every week I do this segment called it's a word, right? Where I try to encourage you guys with things that I have gathered or learned during the week, or I'm trying to learn myself or put into motion in my own life, okay? And they usually try, I try to make them motivating. Well, my it's a word was going to be about kindness this week, practicing kindness. Because, and what I mean by practicing kindness, and I'm still going to let it be his word, so I'm going to go right into it just a little bit so I can touch on what I was going to touch on, <laughs> the whole thing. But I'm not going to do the whole thing because I have, really have another it's a word, okay? So y'all getting two kind of. <laughs> okay, but what I mean by practicing kindness is just making sure that you have the atmosphere of kindness, like around you, you know, like sometimes, that we can be, do, we can do things that are, you know, to, to 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 make ourselves appear kind to other people, or make ourselves, you know, look like we we are a certain way. But how about practicing that atmosphere, like really practicing the atmosphere always around you of being loving and kind to everyone. Right, it's so hard because you know, especially to the people who really know us, like our family and our friends and stuff. So sometimes we could take them for granted and not be kind to them. You know, we could say stuff to them, but we really—if you're really in the energy and atmosphere and a space of kindness—it's always around you, and not just with your family and friends, but it's it's around you in everything you do. It's a part of your nature, and so whatever you are part of that kind of energy flows out from you. And so that was what I was going to talk to you all about this week, okay, practicing kindness. But instead, what happened this week when we heard about the passing of DMX, I felt like it was a great time to use merge into words with the passing of DMX. And I really don't kind of know what I'm going to say. I kind of have a little bit of an idea, but I really don't. So, you know, I've watched DMX over the years, okay, and like all of you. I was a big fan of DMX. I liked DMX when he first came out in the day and everything. Especially y'all going to make me lose my mind. That was my song. <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I, and I always thought 
DMX. And, we, and I joke on here about DMX. When DMX had the reality show, remember DMX had that reality show? <laughs> Him and his wife, ex wife Tashira, that was a trip. It was a trip. It was a, or when he was on a Yanla and all this stuff. Um, we saw, uh, you know, we got this. DMX was very, uh, how can I say this? He put his life out there for everybody to see flaws and all. Very vulnerable, okay? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, it has, I'm, I'm pausing because I'm really trying to think about how I'm, how I'm going to um, talk about this and say this. But he was, you know, very, very vulnerable, very open. So we we knew about his flaws, his 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 hard time with drug addiction, hard time in stabilizing relationships. I believe DMX was was DMX or Sagittarius. I think he was. I don't know what else was in his chart. But it'd be interesting to look at his full chart. I listened to some of Rabina had, a, I think, has a little thing. The Rabina, astrologer Rabina, if you guys are familiar with her, has, a, I think, a full thing on Patreon about uh, him. I haven't got to hear it yet about his his chart, his birth chart, and kind of gives a, 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 a an idea about what DMX was like. But um, what was what may have been what may have been going on in DMX. Exercise life from an astro- astrological point of view, and sometimes it's so. Cause see, we only so a lot of times we only deal with sun signs, and on here I talk a lot only from the sun sign point of view. But charts are full. You know, real astrologers deal with a full chart, okay? And charts are full of. You know, there are very there's so many different dynamics to what makes up a person. You're not just one astrological sign. You're 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 made up of a, a of different type different things, okay? But I just say that this is a sideboard here, but I just said he's a Sagittarius. So a lot of the things that you see up front, I wasn't very, I, I kind of wasn't surprised that with what he struggled with, deeply spiritual, um, deeply looking for a space to be free in, but deeply held prisoner by his childhood, by events of his childhood and childhood trauma. I often try to talk on here to people about childhood trauma because childhood trauma can fuck people up for life, okay? It's just facts out in these streets. It can take people, and I think I remember reading a story recently that one of DMX's, somebody tricked DMX into taking drugs when he was a young person and everything, and it started this lifelong um, uh uh, thing with addiction, okay? Now, as far as we know this week, we, I mean, we know the DMX passed away, went into the hospital after suffering an overdose, and they said that he had been allegedly left for about 30 minutes. You know, nobody knew he was unconscious and everything, and that's part of the reason why, you know, he's passed. But because uh, he didn't get enough oxygen into the brain, and we know when that happens, it, it creates all kind of damaging, you know, brain function, hard for the brain to come back or heal itself and stuff like that. Um, and so he went to the hospital, and as far as we're knowing, he had a heart attack and that was triggered from the overdose, which caused his passing. He was in the hospital for about a week, and he passed on. Um, it's such, I want to tell you guys to just focus on the great things about DMX. Okay, but I think that would be disingenuous to him and to his legacy and to who he was, because I think DMX's purpose was for people to see him flawed and all. I don't think he wanted to hide that. I think that he was always trying to show 
his humanity along with his his spirituality and along with his deeply flawed self. And a little bit later on, this is Cyborg here, a little bit later on I'm going to talk about the story of Mahalia Jackson because I felt like that was a great story about being a person of faith but yet being flawed too and stuff like that. You know, one of my favorite movies that has ever been done, Christian movie, it's not a Christian movie really, I mean, but it's based on Christian things. It's this movie called The Apostle. Oh, my God, it's so good. Because it really talks about the the uh, the, the, the struggles of a person of faith, right? And so I bring that all up is because DMX, I think, had a story of where he deeply loved God. He deeply was drawn to some sense of God's purpose in his life, but yet he was deeply flawed by childhood, you know, flawed and hurt by ch- and, and carried pain of childhood trauma and maybe lots of other traumatic events, probably even unknown to some of us, you know. And, um, you know, I, it was so funny because just the other day I was talking with a few of my family members on the phone about a family member of ours that has been on drugs for a number of years. And this family member called me to pull a chart, you know, a astrological chart on this particular, you know, uh, family member and try to, you know, tell me what I saw from my, you know, I'm not an astrologer, but from my particular point of view, what I can see from what I do know about astrology, about the person and everything. And we were talking about this person and just talking about, you know, how they, you know, what may be happening with them, and it was it's so sad because they've been out there for a number of years, like homeless, sometimes you know not wanting to you know not responding to anybody, just a different just a whole lot of things right and you know one of the things, and it's been a number of years i mean you're talking about over twenty years, right, this particular family relative this relative of mine, and um why you feel compassion, you also understand that it's such a waste of ability, talent, uh, so many things, and time, right? Time especially, okay? So let me get to my it's a word, okay? Um it's a word for today. I put up on Instagram. I think I put it in my story on Facebook. But scripture when I heard about when I thought about DMX today, I didn't put a picture of DMX. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't do any of that. But I put. Uh, I put a, a picture up of a, a scripture that I really love. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I have a lot of favorite scriptures, but this is one of my favorite ones. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And it's from Psalms 90, 12, okay? And I often say that in my own life. I'm like, God, teach me to number my days. Because, you know, I can be a procrastinator. I can be a hell of a procrastinator. I can put stuff <laughs> put stuff off and put stuff off, you know, and stuff like that. And so I'm always like, Lord, teach me to number my days, you know, so that that I may gain wisdom. And what I believe that scripture means is teach us, teach us how to use the most of our time. Teach us how to use uh, the time that we have, the time that we have allotted to us, help us use it to have the most impact 
whether you believe in double several lifetimes, but whatever this lifetime that we can or this life that we could possibly have. And so I was, I was thinking about my own relatives the other day, and I was saying they're missing their true impact. All the gifts, all the talents, and everything, and they're missing it. I say this because DMX, as beautiful as a soul of a soul as he was, and he had a strong impact in the area of show business, right? And he was what appeared to be a success in that area, okay? But in life he struggled. And drugs robbed him of so much of his time. Now, I'm not saying this to be harsh or to be this and that, but listen, any of one of us, if it, 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 I always say it's by the grace of God, okay, that I ain't a crackhead or I wasn't a prostitute or I wasn't just grace of God, okay? It's just grace, really. Grace because God put the right people in my life to help me make the right decisions at the right time, at the right, you know what I'm saying, to make decisions to help me, guide me out of trouble, okay? And I still got a lot of life to live, so you know what I'm saying? So I'm praying God still keeps me. But what I will say to you today and why I, why I picked the, the, to talk about the, everybody saying just remember, uh, you know, the good things about him, I think we ought to very much remember the thing that robbed him of his lifeline. Because you don't do him, you don't do his life story justice, and I don't think you do him justice by not talking about. It because I think he spent a lot of time talking about spirituality and talking about God because he was trying to fight his way out of addiction. And so, what I will say to you guys is, first of all, is don't let, first of all, your your traumas of childhood or your traumas in life rob you of your lifeline. Because there will always be enemies that are set out to attack you and that will set out to attack all of us, that will set out to attack attack us specifically of our time. Time is so important. Maximizing the moments that you have every day. Now, we don't know what timeline DMX have. We don't know if you, because I believe in, this is why I'll tell you guys. And this is a sidebar because I'm going to get back into DMX in a minute. But in a sidebar, I do believe that you can understand the timing of your life. You might not know the day you're going to die or the time, but I think that sometimes God can give us, if you're really close to God and really open yourself up, there can you can have a sense of timing about things, about knowing how to move. And, know, and sometimes I do believe you have premature deaths. I do believe you that people exit early from things that they shouldn't have, okay? And then sometimes I think they exit right on time, but they just wasted a lot of their time. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes where we think, oh, man, oh, if only they had lived 50 more years. May, what if God, DMX was only allowed at 50 years, as far as we know? I don't know if it was, to me it feels prematurely, 
But for 50 years, we know he's got, he gave 50 years. God gave him 50 years on the clock, as far as we know. And he spent so much of it struggling in this natural realm. And even though he was able to do some successful things, things that appeared successful to the world, in his personal life he struggled with drugs. And a lot of times it took him out of this realm to have the greatest impact that he Can you imagine what an impact he would have had if he was fully, fully in his face? My God, <laughs> Right? Right? I mean, wow. And I say this to you, and this is not to diss him. This is to say that this is to say that I hope that you, we all use his life as a lesson to understand that we, don't, we have to maximize our time to the best of our ability. Because if you get 50 years and suddenly you spend 25 to 30 of that deciding, I just... I mean, making a choice, well, not making a choice, but deciding that you're going to let childhood trauma win. You're going to let drugs win. You're going to let alcoholism win. You're going to let uh, bad relationships win. You're going to let all these things, procrastination win. You're going to let uh, uh, being unhealthy win. You're going to let all these things rob you of your time. That's pretty sad. pretty sad. You think you might have, you think you got 100 years, but you spend 70 of it acting a fool. Life is short. It's long when you make bad choices, but it's really short in the span of eternity. You know, I love this. There's another scripture I love where it says, a day with the Lord has a thousand years because with God there is no time, right? So, we have to understand, I, and the I reason I, I wanted to touch on this part is because I felt like in my spirit that that's something that DMX probably would have wanted you to know because DMX is a spiritual man. So I believe a spiritual man will want you to know, will want you to learn from the lessons in his life. And the lessons was that he spent a lot of time struggling, and he could have even had a greater impact had he not had those demons in the way, those demons winning, if that is what happened to him, okay? So what I will say to you today is make sure that you don't let the demons of your life rob your time. This is for me, too. I say this because we all got demons, honey. We all got them. We all got them in some form of a nut or another, okay? So make sure you confront those demonic energies because the greatest uh, greatest resource that you have that God has given you is time. <laughs> one of the greatest resources, probably the top five. I'd say the greatest one is probably if you have wisdom or something like that. But the greatest resource is time. And how you use it will set up the... Um, you, you will set yourself up not for just eternity, but you will set yourself up for a lifetime, a, a legacy of something, something, some legacy you're going to leave on earth. 
what will be yours? Okay. So I'm just encouraging you guys to maximize the moment, seize your day. Time is a reminder that we are immortal spirits living in a mortal in a mortal body. Okay? We are immortal. We are. We we, we are eternal beings. Our spirits are eternal. But these bodies are not. And when you understand that you have to use this body and this journey, you have to, everything about it to 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 achieve all of the great things you're here on earth to do. You have to make sure that you keep your temple intact in some ways. You got to make sure that you keep your uh, your spirit man intact. They work together. It's important not to avoid the meaning of time. God gave us time for a reason. There's a clock on the wall for a reason. Now, I believe you can. There is a spiritual way that you can work out of time, but that's a this whole not this that's a whole different story. We'll talk about that some other time. But God gives you time so that you can measure yourself, so that you can understand that you 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 have a day, you have two days, you have three days. Time is a very important. Even though it may be illusion to some, it is a very important uh, uh, measure of our lives. And how you use it is everything. Now, DMX leaves 17 children. He leaves a fiancé, an ex-wife, and probably a host of people who loved him all around the world. And although he was a spiritual man, I really believe he was a spiritual man. I really believe he loved God. The biggest thing that stands out was his struggle with addiction. Yeah, his career stands out. It's very successful. It's very powerful. But even a successful career couldn't help him fight the spirit of alcoholism, the spirit, I mean, not of alcoholism, the spirit of drug addiction, okay? And so I say that to you guys is because now there's a there's a, a whole host of children left without a father. There are fans left with only his music. There are... There's a woman who loved him who's left with now just a memory. There's an ex-wife who struggled very hard to keep him intact all of, for many years. Now she's left with her children. And you say, well, wow, they, he, he left them a lot of money with everything. No, nothing beats the presence of you. And how much time did he really get to have with them if he struggled with drugs at the time. Let me explain, and I'm not trying to be hardcore to his legacy. What I'm trying to do is get people out here to see that is your life is no joke. Everything about it is important. Everything, how you handle it is important. I, and I'm sure that he, if he's in the presence of a guy right now, which I'm sure he is, he's probably saying, tell him, Carlotta, that it don't, it ain't worth it to spend your time Doing to be struggling with addictions. 
find a way to get off of them because you waste your time and you waste your you lose your you you waste so much time with your family. You waste so much time with your friends. You waste time on your you lose so much time in your career. And if you're a spiritual person, you do understand that you are called here on a mission, and it's important to complete your mission. So I just say that has, that I hope you guys will let DMX, not only his glory, his his wonderful life journey of being a rapper and how he touched people, how spiritual he was and how great of a person he was, and he seemed to be a guy with the heart, definitely. But I hope you understand that I think his greatest legacy is a warning to us to maximize your time, to not let traumas defeat you, to not let drug addiction defeat you, or addictions, period, defeat you and rob you of your life force. Your people need you, your family needs you, your loved ones need you. And you have something to do. You got purpose. Whitney Houston is a tragedy to me. Whitney Houston is not a. Whitney Houston is a. Is a they love to say that in a celebrity world. Oh, we don't think about the great things about Whitney Houston. I often do. Whitney Houston had a lot of great things, but her successes are always underburdened by her. Her. What took her down And why I say this is because Once you get into addiction And that's for me, you, anybody Addictions are hard to break And so I wouldn't play with fire If, I was out, if I'm if any of, if y'all out here You got a mission, okay So that's why I, I'm just saying tonight Let these people be a lesson To how important it is to live your best life. Success just ain't in the amount of money you got. Success ain't in that many platinum albums you got. So what, okay? It's a lot of people with triple platinum albums, 55 platinum albums, sitting up in the house right now on drugs and wish wish they could switch places with you. Serious. Because they thought that was the pinnacle of success. But success is a lot more than just having money. We get success messed up out in these streets, okay? You know, I like money. Now, don't get me wrapped up in these joints, okay? I like money and fame and all that stuff looks good. This looks fun, okay? Right? Success and all that thing, that, for what the world deems as success, looks great, okay? But what the spirit realm deems as a success, the eternal realm, where you go beyond this life, success becomes much more deeper, Success is about how you how you uh, your relationship with the spirit with your, with the with God your intimate relationship with God and after that transformation for you how you go about treating people and treating yourself every day in this life and treating your purpose for God how you move on this earth it sets you up for the spiritual realm. 
And I think that if more of us, including myself, always put that in the back of our heads, that this natural realm sets you up for eternity. You take none of your rewards with you, and actually they don't mean that much in eternity. And where we'll spend the majority of our time as humans is in eternity, as spiritual beings in eternity. You spend your humanity in the natural realm. So I say all of this is because every day understand that you are walking to set up yourself for your next journey. And you can't fog your way through this thing. You can't drink your way through this thing. You can't drug your way through this thing. You can't eat your way through this thing. You can't do nothing. You can't sex your way through this thing. Okay? It's just facts. I hate to say it. You know what I'm saying? All the addictions that we have that we use to cover the feelings that we have, those things, if we don't get a hold of certain things and all that, they will kill us and take us out prematurely. And we just hope that we have time to get it right with God. Right? So I say this tonight because I hope you understand that the success of DMX's life, I don't think it was the records. That was great. That's a worldly success thing. But it's the personal relationships he leaves behind, the legacies he leaves behind. And while I know his family and friends love him and they got so many great memories of him and loving memories of him, they also have the memories of the struggle of addiction and how much more they could have had of him had he had, had not had he not had that battle. So I just say to you guys tonight, you know, whatever your battles are, whatever our addictions are, whatever our things are, make sure that we stop and say, you know what, hey, you know what, if you need to get help, get help. If you need to, and I know that's hard, right? It's hard to get help when you don't want because you don't want nobody in your business. I get it. But get help. Try to get help and try to put your all into getting well. And if you and understand that uh, addictions come in a lot of forms. Some of y'all are addicted to uh, money, I mean, success and money, and you, you don't have no time for your family and your friends and everything like that, and the addiction to success and money is killing you, and you need to slow down. Whatever it is, understand, this is, oh, this is great. I think I, pl- I talked about it on here one time. There's this great book um, from, uh, oh, my goodness. Let me look it up. I have to look it up because it's just coming in my head. Uh, I got to think of who the uh, author is. Okay. I'm going to pull this up in a minute, you guys, because it just came to my head. I said, you know what? I got to make sure I I make sure this. um, I think I'm going to play a little bit of this because I played it before on the show. John 
or or Ortberg. And I love his books, by the way. I think I've read a couple of his books, including this one. Um, let me see. Is this the one I want you guys to hear? But he has this one. Okay, he has this really great book. One of the books is called When It's All Over, It All Goes Back Into the Box. Okay, when the game is over, it go it it all goes back in the box. That's the name of the book. It's by John Hartberg. And so I'm going to let you guys hear a little bit of his description of the book. I hope I got the right video up uh, to to play for, from him where he talks about this. So let's see. Hold on. Here we go. So eventually, inevitably, not one of my favorite ways, I am standing on the world's largest monopoly board. It's located in downtown San Jose, just a few miles away from where I live. And it's not just a decoration. This actually is a playable Monopoly board. I haven't played much Monopoly in recent years, but I used to play a lot when I was growing up. And if we'll let it, Monopoly has something profound to teach us about life's most important lesson. I learned it from my grandmother, because my grandmother taught me how to play the game. Let me tell you about my grandmother. My grandmother lived with us when I was growing up as a kid, and she was a wonderful person. She used to tell great ghost stories. She was a great cook. She would make banana bread and this dessert called red velvet cakes, mostly butter. She would pop popcorn on Friday nights in bacon grease and then put the bacon bits in the popcorn. It was fabulous. Nobody in my grandmother's family lived to be too old, but we loved my grandmother. She was a wonderful person, but she was the most ruthless Monopoly player I have ever known. Imagine what would have happened if um, Vince Lombardi had married Lady Macbeth, maybe, and they had a kid. And you get some sense of the way that my grandmother played Monopoly. When the game would start, I would get my $1,500, and I'd want to hold on to it. But my grandmother understood that acquisition is necessary to win, that money is how you keep score. And so eventually, inevitably, my grandmother would become master of the board, buy every piece of property she landed on, mortgage that, and acquire everything else. And I would always land on her property once too often, and I would have to give her my last dollar and quit in utter defeat. And then she would say to me, don't worry about it, Johnny, one day you'll learn how to play the game. And I always hated it when she would say that. And then one summer, I was about 10 years old, and... I played with a neighborhood kid, and I learned that summer how to play the game. It gradually dawned on me. Money's how you keep score. You've got to acquire everything you can. And by the time that fall rolled around, and I was going to play my grandmother again, I was more ruthless than she was. I was ready to bend the rules, if I had to, to beat my grandmother. I played her with sweaty palms, relentlessly, inexorably, I drove her off the board. Slowly, with great cunning and skill, I exposed the soft underbelly of my grandmother's vulnerability. I can still remember it happened at Marvin Gardens. And I looked at my grandmother. She was an old lady by now. She was a widow by the time I knew her well. She had raised six children. She raised my mom. She loved my mom. She loved me. And I took everything she had 
I destroyed her financially and psychologically. I beat my grandmother and watched her give me her last dollar and quit in utter defeat. And then I had one more lesson to learn. Because the great lesson always comes at the end of the game. And I first heard this from James Dobson, who talked about a time when he learned to play Monopoly with his family. The great lesson at the end of the game is this. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. All that money, all that property, all those houses, all those hotels, boardwalk and park place, everything, when the game is over, goes back in the box. I didn't want everything to go back in the box. I wanted to leave everything out as a kind of perpetual memorial to my great skill. This is the great lesson of life. When the game is over, all the stuff goes back in the box. And so you have to ask yourself, how should I play the game in light of this one great truth? The psalmist says in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. It's a funny thing. Almost everybody I know has really good intentions in life. People want to know God well. They want to do good work. They want to develop good character. They want to have great relationships. They want to be really good parents. And yet we find ourselves drifting into another mode. When Nancy and I had two children and they were real small, we were on a plane one time doing a long cross-country flight. We'd taken over the back row of the plane. Nobody else wanted to be near us because it didn't look good. It didn't smell good. It was littered with dirty diapers and crayons and crackers and crumbs. You know you're in trouble when the flight attendant says, would you mind if your kids played outside? And we were wondering, why did we bring these kids with us on this trip? Why did we have these kids in the first place? And then a guy, a couple rows in front of us, turned around and surveyed the damage. And he looked at me and he said, are those your two kids? And I thought about it. And I said, yes, they are. And he said, my wife and I would give anything in the world to have two kids. I said, you don't have any kids? He said, no, we have five kids. We'd give anything in the world to have two kids. It's part of the human condition. We have all these dreams for the kind of people we want to be, the kind of lives we want to live kind of work we want to do, the kind of families we'd like to raise. And yet we find our lives getting away from us. We do not number our days aright. We forget the one great lesson. And so God calls us back to it over and over again. In Jerusalem, uh, Jewish people from all over the world would come over the years and build synagogues. And there's one synagogue there that has a coffin that's built into the wall. And when people ask why it is there, they are told that in the Talmud we are taught that each human being is to repent one day before they die, the day before the last day of their life. And everybody will ask, well, how do I know what's going to be the day before I die? And then they're told, we are to live every day as if it is the day before our last day. We are to live every day in light of the great truth that it's all going back in the box. And so I must arrange my life around what matters most. 
And I know so many wonderful people who have such good dreams, but they just drift into living their lives around things that are only temporal, things that cannot bring satisfaction, things that do not really matter to God. My grandmother, in many ways, lived a pretty simple life. She raised six children, uh, three boys first, Hack, Jack, and Mac, believe it or not, and then three girls, including my mom. She never traveled a great deal. She never wrote a book. She never had a job outside the home I know of, except working at a little bakery in Rockford, Illinois. But none of that mattered much to her, because she understood what was temporal and what's eternal. She understood what matters a lot and what's not so important. She remembered this one great lesson, that when the game is over, everything is going back in the box. All right, you guys. I wanted you guys to hear that because I love I, I love uh, that that discussion. And you guys can look at that, look it up on YouTube. It's John Artberg, uh, Artberg, and it's O R T B E R G. And it's when the when it's, the game is over, it all goes back into the box. But I wanted to end that is end that with that because with the, the the talk about DMX is because when it's all over, it's going back into the box. The awards, everything doesn't matter. What matters is the legacies and the the love and all the things that you leave behind. The things that last for generations. Not even really the music. To be honest, music is great. It's an it's an eternal thing. People will be able to hear his music for uh forever, as long as the earth is here. However, really his legacy will be, it will be more about who you poured life, who you poured into it. And and even though we hear great stories about DMX, I hear so many, I heard so many great stories. But I'm sure that he probably would even tell you guys now that there would probably be even greater stories had he not got hooked on drugs. So I just want to leave you guys with that. When it's all over, it goes back into the box. So live your life with the greatest in the greatest way you can, man. And I know it's not I know it's I know that's hard cuz we humans, we're supposed to be having a human existence and a journey. And we're going to have our ups and downs. We're going to have our ins and outs. It's going to happen. That's life. It's real, okay? But that's the beauty of it. You know what I'm saying? The the beauty of it is that we we so that we can learn these lessons. People like DMX leave us a lesson, and we should appreciate them for the lesson. You know what I'm saying? And that brings me to you know. So I want to end it right here with the DMX thing, and you know, rest in power to DMX. I pray that uh, he has saved journeys uh, to. Uh, to the other side to be with the Lord because he he loved the Lord with so much of his heart and I pray that in that in between stage you know he had a week before they took him off of took allowed him to leave out of here and I believe in that week whatever I, I hope within that week a span of time that he was reconciling and getting his healing with God 
I believe that for him, that he was reconciling and getting that, that week was for him to, to uh, that week of being in between the natural realm and the spiritual realm was him reconciling his life with God and his time and his purpose. And so I pray for that, that that happened for him, okay? Um, now, let's talk about, uh, I want to go on and talk about, uh, and that's your It's a Word for the week. And I hope you guys loved your It's a Word, okay? And it was me and John Ortenberg. When it's all over, it goes back into the box, okay? That's what I want y'all to remember, okay? So the next time you're playing Monopoly, remember that, okay? All right, so, all right, so, 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 last night, right? Got to see Mahalia Jackson movie, okay? And I, I want to talk about that in a minute, but first I'm going to talk about, what's this, this Carrie Hilson movie? No, I'm going to save the Carrie Hilson movie for when I talk about Carrie Hilson and Beyonce stuff. We're going to save that, okay? But let's talk about Mahalia Jackson because I think it's a perfect segue into, from DMX, okay? Um, wow. So, you know, I called my granny last night because my granny actually, you know, they used to be on the road and stuff with Mahalia Jackson. They used to tell me great stories about Mahalia Jackson, by the way. <laughs> right? So I love, you know, uh, my grandparents were gospel singers. My grandmother and grandfather was, uh, you know, uh, doing, they toured and everything with different people, you know, in gospel music. So because in those days everybody was on a chitlin' circuit if you were a singer and you had a group and stuff like that. And so they knew lots of people in that, you know, in those areas and stuff. And so I called my grandmother again, and I was like, you know, you can watch this movie. And my grandmother, my grandmother, you know, she's a hardcore cynic. She's like, oh, she can really sing, but she doesn't really, she sounds a little bit like Mahalia, but not a lot. <laughs> right? But but anyway, but I didn't ask, I haven't asked her today how she enjoyed the movie last night. I forgot to ask her, but she was, she was watching, okay? So I love the movie. I, I, I didn't like the, let me just say that, I didn't like the script. The script was moving too fast. That's the problem with Lifetime. If you're gonna do if you're gonna do a story about Mahalia Jackson, you may need to do two to three nights, a series because I hate them. They were jumping to the the timelines was jumping so fast. Mahalia like Mahalia Jackson like had a full sixty years. I think she was sixty years old when she passed away, January of nineteen seventy two. I mean, a full, Mahalia had a full life. Mahalia was the first big gospel star, right? I mean, like the first. Like I know there was Rosetta Thorpe in there, but Mahalia was the first, like, the first big one signed to Columbia Records. Mahalia, I think, was was Mahalia was one of the first million-seller uh, uh, record people in gospel. I mean, it was unheard of gospel really making a lot of money until Mahalia, ja- Mahalia Jackson made money, okay? And it's still really hard for gospel artists to make money, not like the like the secular side, right? But Mahalia was doing the thing in the in the uh
Woo! Danielle, I was saying you sound better than Mahalia. I just <laughs> Danielle was no punk. But it was, uh, uh, it said, executive produced by Robin Roberts for Lifetime. Mahalia tells the story of gospel icon Mahalia Jackson, born in New Orleans. Mahalia Jackson began singing. This is from uh, ChicagoDefender.com, by the way. At, at an early age, in her teenage years, she moved to Chicago, went on to become one of the most celebrated gospel figures in history. Her music was also often melded with the civil rights movement. Her recording of the song, Move On Up a Little Higher, sold millions of copies. The song skyrocketed her career, and she achieved international fame. Mahalia often performed to diverse crowds, including racially integrated audiences at Carnegie Hall and John F. Kennedy inaugural uh, ball. Mahalia was an active supporter of the civil rights movement. She sang at numerous rallies, including March from Washington in 1963, along Dr. King. Okay, The film stars Daniel Brooks has Mahalia Jackson. Brooks shines has Mahalia beautifully capturing the gospel legend's spirit and passion for gospel music. She masterfully portrays Mahalia's complexities as she deals with fame, wealth, and celebrity. Let me just say this. Daniel Brooks. Oh, she brought a beautiful vulnerability to Mahalia Jackson. I mean, it was so a beautiful, womanly vulnerability to a woman of faith who, like they said, was so complex. You know, throughout Mahalia, Mahalia Jackson's lifetime, Mahalia Jackson was like married and divorced two times. Mahalia wasn't Mahalia, wasn't always, it wasn't always Jesus. Right, you know what I'm saying? Well, like the men. <laughs> okay, but the story made it was such a beautiful vulnerability, and she was such it, the way this this Danielle portrays her was um, she portrays her as a woman that she portrays her as a um, Mahalia Jackson. Because when you look at the videos and stuff of Mahalia Jackson, unless you've ever heard Mahalia Jackson talk in some of those videos, but when you look at Mahalia Jackson, you see like a, it looks like a stuffy church person, but Daniel Brooks didn't bring that part. Daniel Brooks brought what was the real Mahalia Jackson to the screen, the vulnerable woman, okay, the woman who was vulnerable, who was smart and brilliant, a businesswoman, uh, uh, who longed to be loved, loved children, wanted children, you know, but couldn't have them. I mean, she brought so many complexities to a woman who had a life of faith, but who was deeply flawed. I loved this portrayal of Mahalia Jackson. And I also loved the girl, young lady who played the piano player, her, which was her friend. Oh, brilliant performances and the other friend that was in it. All the men that played in it, excellent. This was an excellent cast. I wish it would have went. I wish Lifetime would have invested the money for better scriptwriters that could have done a mini series for Mahalia Jackson because Mahalia Jackson's life deserves a mini series, okay, or a movie, a real like two hour, three hour, two and a half hour movie, okay? Because you know we we there was a lot of things we missed, but there was so such a brilliance to Danielle Brooks. This young lady who brings this story across the screen, I loved it. And it spoke to me so much because it spoke to me, you know, has um, about the complexities of a person who has who is spiritual and who has faith, but they're just not perfect. 
I mean, you know, Mahalia Jackson, as much as she wanted to, you know, she wanted to be a spiritual giant for God, she often found herself in complex relationships with men. She often found herself uh, losing in the game of love. She often uh, found herself sometimes losing in her friendship. She uh, often Mahalia was was a Mahalia was a straight up artist, so Mahalia was sometimes selfish. <laughs> You know, it, I mean, it was such a beautiful portrayal of an iconic gospel a singer, but it was also one of that showed that she was a real person and had real humanity and real grit, and that Mahalia was a girl. You know what I'm saying? Like a girl with crushes, and like you know, like I mean that Danielle did such a great job. Like you know, like a girl with crushes but still had her spirituality. You know what I'm saying? A girl who. Who, who, hey, like, like the, like, like the me. <laughs> you know, I loved it. I love that part of it. And shout out to that wonderful cast who did such an amazing job. And I wish y'all had a better script, but y'all brought it home. And it was such that Danielle Brooks' performance of singing them songs. It's in here. Shoot, she had me shouting, especially that last one. That last song, man, I was almost in tears. That last one, that was she was. That young lady is anointed. That young lady's fire. She was singing. She she was doing the thing, okay? She she sound better than Mahalia. <laughs> and so that's my thoughts on the Mahalia Jackson uh, biopic for through Lifetime. If y'all have not seen it, please go watch it. I think that it is very good. I think it speaks, especially if you're a spiritual person, it speaks to the dynamics of a woman who was a spiritual giant but also had, like I said, so many flaws and so many things going on in her life, and so many pains, and uh, you know, but yet she still wanted to um, sing for God. I mean, I remember my grandparents used to tell me that Mahalia Jackson. Hold up, I just tell this. <laughs> but they told me that they they said Mahalia was the type. They said when Mahalia didn't get her money, Mahalia would pull out a gun on a promoter. <laughs> She carried guns. She would get get at you about her coins. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> those are stories I heard about Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson would get at you about not giving that money that she would put a gun on to let you know. <laughs> right? So I mean, deeply spiritual, but deeply real. Okay? So I love that. I love this uh, young lady. Uh, and um, and and what she did with this role, and as they can say, they say, um, she said while performing in the Broadway production of Color Purple, I guess Brooks was in Color Purple. They said Brooks recalls a conversation she had with Chicago singer and actress Jennifer Hudson. When I was on the show, I had the privilege of working with Jennifer Hudson. I remember her coming to my dressing room, which she did every day before she got on stage, and we would chat. And she would say, you should play Mahalia Jackson. I said, okay. And I didn't think about it too hard too hard about it. But when Jennifer Holiday came and uh, stepped into her same shoe, she said the same thing. And I was like, what? Maybe this is a sign. Maybe God is telling me. Maybe I should really think about, um, maybe I should, uh, maybe God's telling me, maybe I should really think about this character or this person to play this person, Mahalia Jackson, who I had known previously. Okay, uh, listen, young lady, they was right. You should have played, jeez, jeez, fire, okay? 
and, and they, she needs all the Emmys, okay, and the Golden Gloves when it's time, okay. She needs to give them, that cast needs to be recognized, okay. That 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 was acting that was acting with very little, okay. And they brought us a, a weak script across and made a great movie, okay. So it is what it is, all right. Woo, okay, y'all. So I got that out the way. So when I get back, what are we gonna talk about? Oh God. Should we talk about Carrie first? I don't know if I want to. I'm not going to talk about Carrie first. I think when we come back, we're going to talk about, um, let me pull it up here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We'll talk about the, we, we got to get into the news, okay? We'll do the news stuff first. Biden administration spending $60 million a week on unaccompanied, uh, unaccompanied minors, but yet they be talking about we can't get our reparations checks. They spending money. $60 million on illegal immigrants, billions, okay? Yet black folks, Native black Americans, foundational black America, uh, ADOS, whatever you want to call us, we cannot get our checks. Run us our reparations checks. Y'all got money. Y'all, you're giving it away, okay? So we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, we can talk about uh, Elon Musk partners says they uh, – that they could build a Jurassic Park right now. Oh, that's some scary, scary shit. Okay, you can build a Jurassic Park. See, I knew they was going to be crazy like this one day. Crazy. Crazy, okay? Uh, also, uh, Dr. Dre wants all the smoke and no peace. We're going to talk about Dr. Dre, okay? Dr. Dre's out here. He even got, they got the mistresses now going to testify. Dr. Dre, you know. Now, you know, you know this ex-wife is going to give you the smoke. She coming. She she gonna try you all the way. And we're gonna talk about Salty and Quavo about this whole mess about this Bentley. I guess apparently Salty. You say her name right? Is it Salty? Shit, I don't know these new people. Is it Salty? I have to figure out if I'm saying her name right. I don't know shit. But we gonna talk about them and uh, Diddy coming for GM. Then we gonna get into Carrie Hilson and all that stuff and Beyonce. Carrie, please stop talking about Beyonce. That's all I gotta say. Please, please, and please. Leave that to me. <laughs> I just want to make the VI, man. I just have nothing to do. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. So we come back. We'll get into all of that and a whole lot more on the CC show. Meanwhile, we got to start off with some good music because I've been talking out of it. Who are we going to play? See, shit, I had, a good, I had the song up that I wanted to play. Y'all know how I'll be doing. I think I'm going to have a song. Oh, yeah, I do know what I'm going to start off with. Okay, we're going to start off with this. This is, this is an old school jam, okay? So oh, everybody likes it, okay? It's an old Shaka Khan song. My, one of my favorite songs by Shaka. Who's who favorite song it is? And ain't nobody. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a moment, y'all, okay?
I've been I started reading Bill Flickenstein's articles years ago, years ago, and he he's the reason why I read my first book on Alan Greenspan. I knew I had no clue what the what the fuck I was reading, <laughs> but I picked it up because I was like, wow, I wanted to know what happened, how the 2008 you know stuff went down and everything, and and Bill Fleckenstein is such a, a smart a smart smart person, and him and this guy I forget Grant something. They have a um, a show that comes on like a podcast, and they have all these great. Uh, economists and, and money people come on and discuss the economy, and it's so interesting the different ideas. But most people think America's economy is on shaky ass fucking ground, okay? But you know, a lot of and, and, you know, a part of it is the Fed printing the fuck out of money. They love to print money. They love to give money away and shit in these streets, okay? But um, you know, people are scared that inflation might creep in, and some people think that it. They, we may have too. It may be the opposite of inflation, where prices become too low, stuff like that. So it's interesting to hear all these dynamics and these great business, these great uh, money men and different things talk about how they see the economy going. Very interesting. But getting back to this article, it says the principal risk to our economy right now really is that the disease is spread. Okay. Oh, I read that part. The Fed has interest rates near zero since March 2020 and has been buying about 120 billion and government-backed bonds each month, policies meant to stroke spending by keeping borrowing cheap. Okay, see how the Fed is manipulating shit? That's not good, I don't think. Fed officials have been clear that they will continue to support the economy until it is closer to their goals of maximum employment and stable inflation. And that, while the situation is improving, it is not there yet. Mr. Powell reiterated... uh, reiterated the approach on Sunday saying that the central bank would consider raising rates when the labor market recovery is essentially complete and we're back to maximum maximum employment and inflation is back to our 2% goal and is on track to move above 2% for some time, okay? But he said he it would be a while until we get to that price. Discussing inflation, Mr. Powell once again made clear that the Fed wanted to see sustainable price increases before it adjusted monetary policy. Inflation has been below 2%, he said. We wanted to just be moderately above 2%, 2%, so that's what we're looking for. And when we get that, he added, that's when we'll raise the interest rates. Some prominent onlookers have warned that the economy has the potential overheat. Uh, has the potential overheat as the federal government pumps out trillions of dollars in stimulus aid and other spending and has the economy reopens, allowing consumers to spend more money. So far, no sustained inflation, sustained inflation spike has materialized. I definitely can see that happening. You know, listening to the big money guys, I definitely can see the economy overheating, causing inflation. That that prices to increase very rather quickly. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes you see a little, just a smidge of inflation a little bit when you go into grocery stores. We already see gas spiking. So we can see a little, little, little things here and there. But it says figures show the economy is recovering all about, all about slowly. Uh, employers added more than 900,000 workers to payrolls last month, but the country is still missing millions of jobs compared with February 2020. And just last week, state jobless claims climbed. <sighs> Says what you're seeing is some parts of the economy are doing very well and have fully recovered. I I don't know. I feel like the the Fed is pumping a lot into 
the system, printing a lot of money, and that it's really, we're really walking a tightrope here with them. So we'll keep up on that. Uh, but I want to I want to tell you guys if you you know definitely look up Bill Fleckenstein if you guys get a chance I put a I think I put a post on Bill Fleckenstein a, a guy who did an interview with him just recently on the Carlotta Tatwood page it was a really good interview for everybody to check out and everything so if you guys can go go scroll through the Carlotta Chatwood page and you can check that interview out I forget who did it but it'll take you to the YouTube page of the people who did that interview and it was a really good uh, sit down with him okay. Um, Biden administration spending sixty million per week to shelter unaccompanied minors. Okay, this is according to the Texas Tribune. It says the government projects that by September, about twenty-two thousand to twenty-six thousand unaccompanied minors will arrive at the border each month and require federal care. Jesus, let me get a drink. I'm drinking in time now. Mm-mm. Oh, have mercy. We got a problem. We got the threat of inflation. The Fed keeps fucking printing money. We got we got all kind of shit happening. Americans are still out of work. And these motherfuckers want to spend sixty million dollars on kids that don't belong to America, that go that need to go back to their families. Some shit. Some real shit out here in these streets, okay? It says the Biden administration appears to be spending at least $60 million per week to care for more than 16,000 migrant teenagers and children in shelters operated by the Department of Health and Human Services. And those costs are expected to rise significantly over the coming months, according to an analysis of government data obtained by the Washington Post. With the record number of unaccompanied minors arriving at the border in the past several weeks, HHS quickly filtered the 7,700 available beds in its network of permanent shelters, where the cost of caring for a child is about $290 daily, and the capacity has been reduced by COVID-19 protocols. Now, check this out. Joe Biden got all these, and it's funny how Fauci and the CDC and none of them is, is, is talking about the border being a danger. Like, they quick to tell us, where your mask? Don't go outside yet, just too. I mean, y'all can go outside, but don't go outside too fast. I mean, don't go out to eat so fast. But they ain't got shit to say about people coming in on the borders who have it. And some people have been testing positive for COVID. They ain't saying close the fucking borders. You can't have no fucking kids and, and adults and everybody crossing this fucking border. We, we are trying to get over COVID. Okay, we can't have no strangers out of nowhere coming. Plus, we got our own people to take care of. You know how many homeless people is in on the streets of America right now who are citizens? Don't say I ain't got no heart, because I got a heart, okay? I got a heart because I know what America do. America is about cheap labor. Them kids are not here to live a good life. They're here to be to be under cheap labor, for a long time, treated less than a citizen, so they can work, so they can, so that so many people they don't have to pay citizens a fair wage, and they can uh, use these and exploit these kids. Okay, that's the real deal. Okay, so so here, it's it's such a crazy situation going on right now, and the nerve of Joe Biden, as a matter of fact, because. You know, y'all ain't talking about every time I we they always tell black people they ain't got no money to pay reparations. 
She ain't got no money. We ain't got no money. Reparations. We can't pay no reparations. But everybody else getting fucking checks except for black people, black American people. I mean, it's crazy. Everybody, everybody, they, we owe the greatest debt here in America, yet they spending $60 million on non-citizens weekly and got nerves enough to tell black people to hell with your reparations, to hell with what your ancestors gave to the uh, gave to the country. I mean, shit, we ain't got ain't nothing we can do for y'all. So it's, it's a damn shame y'all behind by 400 years. We can't do nothing for y'all. But yet, you're paying $60 million, and that's not even it. They even talked about it in New York. Oh, I got to pull this up. Let me pull this up in New York. Let's talk about New York's ass, okay? Uh, what is it in New York that's happening right now? I just saw a good article. Mm. Let's see, do I have it up? Let me see. I may have to pull it up here. Yeah. Oh, we got to get to, oh, and I forgot to, we got to get to Black Lives Matter, too. Child, they out here, the Black Lives Matter people. Buying million dollar houses and stuff, but yet the 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 the, the local uh, the local a lot of the local allegedly a lot of the local uh, Black Lives Matters chapters can't get no money, can't get no help in these streets. <laughs> right? They can't get, but they got founders buying million dollar houses. <laughs> well, we got we see see you know what I'm saying. You know, race can be a business. You know, it can. You know, some people who not they they still, they want to get themselves up, but not get their people up. But anyway, let's get back to this two point one in New York. It says two point one billion dollars for undocumented workers signals New York's progressive shift. Okay, the fund which could provide payments to hundreds of thousands of people excluded. Of uh, excluded from other pandemic re- relief, ignited the battle among state lawmakers before it was approved this week. <sighs> Jesus. When the coronavirus arrived in New York City a year ago, it hit enclaves of the undocumented immigrants with a fury killing thousands and wiping out service and construction jobs that kept many families afloat. Woo! I'm getting mad at hearing this because... I'll tell y'all in a minute. <laughs> Lifelines like unemployment insurance and federal stimulus checks were out of reach because undocumented people are ineligible for most government aid. Instead, they have relied on food pantries, lenient landlords, and loans from friends. But after a sweeping move by lawmakers this year, this week, New York will now offer one-time payments up to $15,000. Bitch, I said $15,000, $15,600 to undocumented immigrants who lost work during the pandemic. Did I say $15,000? I said $15,000. I said fifteen. It's like a sort of, is it sort of like a reparation? What is it? But yet black Americans, okay, native black Americans who who been in this shit for the longest, who, whose families spent almost two Two hundred and some years, four hundred some years, 
200 some years of slavery, 250, 250 to be exact, 250, 250 years of slavery, about 100 years of Jim Crow, failed ass reconstruction, and you can't give, you don't want to pay us, but you getting ready to give out checks to illegal immigrants, and you just only gave the citizens $1,400. These bitches just gave the citizens $1,400 checks. And you're about to give some immigrants up to 15000 Did I read that right? $600. Who lost work? This is some shit. You, New Yorkers should be mad. If you're a citizen, if you're a citizen, you, if you are, if you are a, a resident of New York City, I'd be, I'd be pissed off. It's, that's crazy. It says the effort, a $2.1 billion fund in the state budget, is by far the biggest of its kind in the country and a sign of the state's shift towards policies championed by progressive Democrats. That's why New York is going to fucking damn, because people are running out. Democrats is running y'all shit in the green. It ain't just, and you know, I ain't saying Republicans is all that great, but they, they asses do know how to balance a budget every now and then. Sometimes Republicans like George W. Bush, them neocons can overspend shit. They they can now. They can act like Democrats. But however, most of the time, Republicans know how to balance a fucking checkbook, and they know when you're going out of control. And you got to check their asses about big business. That's what you got to check Republicans about. And then you got to check uh, 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 Democrats' ass about spending and big government. Crazy shit. Now big business with Democrats, too. Okay, this is, this is ridiculous. Okay, so it says, I've met neighbors who have not been able to pay rent or put food on the table. I've been able to provide their children with a laptop when a public school has not been able to provide one, says State Senator Jessica Ramos, a Democrat from Queens, and lead proponent to the fund. The Excluded Workers Fund, part of the state new, uh, news $212 billion deal, budget deal, was reached on Tuesday was one of the most contentious points of debate during negotiations, which dragged on past the April 1st deadline. Republicans instantly criticized the measure has out of touch at a time when many other New Yorkers were still struggling, while some Democrats from swing, swing districts of state on Long Island said privately that a publicly funded rescue program for people who are not in the country legally could be wielded as a uh, cudgel uh, against them in future elections. Hell yes, and it should be. When Americans are out here struggling, how the fuck dare you? Motherfuckers is paying your be your 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 like your insurance, your you you uh, lawmakers insurance and stuff, and you motherfuckers ain't even looking out for them. You talking about giving fifteen thousand dollar checks to people who ain't even a part of the fucking, who's not even a citizen? What the fuck? That makes no fucking sense. I'm sorry. I got a heart. And I, I'm for charities and people helping, but they shouldn't be, you shouldn't even be here. How we got, how you, how are we about to give them a check for breaking the law? I'm sorry. I don't like it, okay? When there are plenty of people on the streets right now, hungry, people, Americans getting evicted and shit like that, and the nerve to set up a $2.1 billion uh, a thing to, to help people who not even citizens? The question is not do you help these workers, how do you, 
how do you do it, and how do you structure it in a way where it's defensible in these districts, said Bruce Gary, Gary, a Democrat political consultant. Workers had made a compelling case that they had been devastated by the pandemic, he said, but some rural and suburban voters might see the payments as an expensive and unfair benefit for non-citizens. You think? Really? So citizenship ain't shit no more, okay? To be an American citizen ain't shit. Can I just tell you, if you're American, you got American citizenship, it ain't shit. Matter of fact, under Joe Biden's administration, you might be better off being a non-citizen. You're asking more money and everything. It don't, it don't benefit. It don't even benefit to be a citizen. Citizenship is no. Your citizenship is no. Remember, you know, you used to hear America having a citizenship in America was something to people used to love to aspire to and all this stuff. Well, now I'm gonna tell all y'all, it don't mean shit no more. Okay. It don't mean you ain't got to have no shit. Just, you ain't got to have no citizenship no more. You just come on over. It don't even matter. As a matter of fact, you might do better not having a citizenship. Okay? So they can exploit your ass later for cheap labor. They're going to exploit you now. Yeah, it's a trade-off. Capitalism is not just going to give you something for free, illegal immigrants. Oh, no, you're going to fucking suffer. But they're going to they gonna give you some nice things first, nice little trinkets first. At least you got nice little trinkets. My ancestors didn't get shit, okay? At least you getting some cotton coins. But what is, what, is, what is going to happen? This is a disaster. This is a disaster. Joe Biden is a disaster. He's already been a disaster. I don't care what you Democrats say. You, you, y'all such I heard... I, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to make nobody mad tonight. <laughs> I am not for it, okay? And it is not kind to have. I saw a little child. They showed on the news the other day. A little child crossing the border. He was crying because he had lost the party that he was with. He was nothing but probably about seven or eight years old. You you motherfuckers do understand it's, drug tra- it's, it's child trafficking and shit out here. Joe Biden's a dumbass. He's a, not only a dumbass, he's probably seen it. Y'all got to And this is ridiculous. This is over. I miss Donald Trump. Donald, I miss you. Donald, I miss you. If don't nobody else miss you, I miss your ass. Because you did have them borders in check. Did I like Donald Trump on a personal level? No, nah, shit, I ain't got to like Donald Trump. But Donald Trump's ass had them borders in check. Donald's ass wasn't playing no game. Donald was not playing. Shout out to Donald Trump. Shout out secretly to Barack Obama because your ass was deporting people as soon as they came back. Nobody knows that. Barack Obama had a big ass that he was faking in, on the front. Barack was a faker. Barack be out there like, you know, we've got to help the illegal immigrants. But meanwhile, he's deporting them behind his back. <laughs> Barack was deporting people left and right. But Donald, there wasn't no shame in Donald's game. John, Donald was like, put that fucking wall up. We can't be affording all this shit. Donald was like, uh, we sitting them right back and come over. We're going, going right back. Donald had ice out here in these streets. Donald was not playing no games with y'all. Shit. He was not playing on that. Did I? Was I personally? That, is that the end of Donald? Nope. But I miss him. But now that I see Joe Biden's ass, I'd rather have Donald than Joe. 
But I digress. This is an article you guys can read at New York Times, uh, 2.1 a billion for undocumented workers signals New York's progressive shift. Check that out in the New York Times if you want to read the whole article, okay? Uh, let's talk. Should we go about Elon, Elon Musk first? Yeah, let's do that, Elon Musk. Elon Musk's partner says he could build the real Jurassic Park with genetically engineered dinosaurs. Oh, shit. I knew it was some idiots going to come up with something like this. I knew it. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to be some idiot to come up with a Westworld, too. You know that, right? Y'all know this is going to happen, right? You know we get ready to have a real Westworld. It's, it's coming. It's coming. I say within the next 10 to 15 years. But you know, God, you know, the God might just step in and say, "She's thinking too much. They get, they get too much." <laughs> According to Change in America, I mean the Hill, Change in America dot com, uh, it says, "Oh Lord, he said, do I got a video for this? Is it an audio? Maybe we got an audio. Let me have an audio for it." But it says, um, Elon Musk, Neuralink co-founder, said the firm could build its own Jurassic Park. Neuralink works on creating brain-computer interfaces. The company hopes to create technology to help people suffering from diseases like Alzheimer's. Okay, so let's see if we can hear this story about them. Do I get get it up? Is it audio? Let's see. Okay, yes, it is audio. Okay. So I'm going to let y'all hear about a little bit of it, okay? If we can get this up here, back here. Hold on, hold on. Okay. It says the company hopes to create technology to help people suffering from diseases like Alzheimer's, okay? So let me let y'all hear a little bit of this uh, from them, okay, what they plan on trying to do, okay? I'm going to listen to this audio. The co-founder of Elon Musk's company Neuralink tweeted on Saturday that the startup has the technological advances and savvy to create its own Jurassic Park. Max Hodak posted, quote, we could probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to. Wouldn't be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but shrugging emoji. Maybe 15 years of breeding plus engineering to get super exotic novel species. In the film Jurassic Park, scientists working for a wealthy industrialist are able to genetically engineer dinosaurs and are working toward opening a theme park to showcase them when things go wrong. Okay, they said, you know, they can make an exotic an- okay, exotic animal. Okay, so it says the co-founder, let me see, it says in the film, uh, it said launched in 2017, Neuralink works on creating brain-computer interfaces with the hopes that I already talked about the Alzheimer's. It says in, two, in August 2020, Musk debuted uh, Gertrude, a pig that Neuralink had implanted a small computer chip in its brain. The chip was planted near the part of the brain that controls its snout. So has Gertrude ate a computer show waves and spikes being emitted from the chips monitoring Gertrude's neural response? Hodak didn't further explain what technology Neuralink could use to engineer the long extinct dinosaurs. Jesus, Jesus, we got fools out here. It's some fools, it's some fools, okay? Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. 
they want to do. You know what? I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you. I'm telling you, they, they're they're nuts. They I wouldn't be surprised if you have a Jurassic Park with a Westworld. I mean, you know, in February of 2021, let me pull this article up, okay? There is an article that right now where I where I read that Elon Elon Musk talked about uh, y'all last. I already told you they putting computer chips in people's hands at work. I, they showed that on Good Morning America. People still don't believe that story. I had somebody arguing with me down too. Somebody argued with me down that they was not putting computer chips in people's hands to go to work. I mean, they was really arguing with me about this shit. And I said, it was on Good Morning America. They actually did a chip. They shot the chip up. It's, a, it's companies in Wisconsin already practicing that concept. I had to fucking send them a link from Good Morning America. And they were like, what? Oh, my God. Yes. Facts. The Bible's for real. Okay, out in these streets, okay? Well, Elon Musk said a San Francisco Bay Area-based startup co-founder uh, co- by Musk in 2016 is aiming to implant a computer interface in the human brain to help treat neurological conditions. Like we said, Alzheimer's, that's what they use it. They try to start out for something good. See, it's going to be helpful, Alzheimer's. But then they're going to make it to, to something else, okay? Uh and it says, uh, you know, it's a, it, and they already talking about it can be a chip in your head, okay? So he was already talking about this kind of shit in February 2021. Now they're talking about uh, making a whole fucking Jurassic Park with fucking dinosaurs. Man was not a was man around. If man, I don't think man was a, a was existing during the dinosaurs age. Shit, and if they was, they asses was hiding in caves most of the time. We could not fucking exist with no something that these nuts done created genetically. Some shit they done put together genetically and making a dinosaur. You know, and you know it's gonna fuck up. I just when humans do it, you know it's gonna be some shit to it. Okay, so I say that the thought this this even being that somebody's thought is scary. I knew it was gonna be a fool coming along talking about creating a uh, creating a, a Jurassic Park. No, it's gonna be some fool. That's how it is. This is we. This is what we 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 are. This is the technology age, and these nut, they're getting nuttier by the second. I told you next is coming Westworld. Okay, Westworld is Westworld is coming next. They already talking about uh 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 whole dolls. <laughs> I mean whole 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 robots. Whole robots. <laughs> yes. Human whole robots. I said that shit. Human whole robots. Hey, they already talking about this, okay? I'm not playing with y'all. I'll be tell- I'll be playing with y'all up here. Y'all think I be playing? I don't. <laughs> what the hell's going on in the world? <sighs> it brings me to Doctor Dre. Doctor J. Doctor Dre just doesn't want any peace, does he? He just. I don't know if he if somebody knows him, listens to this show, or somebody can pass it along. Dre, you want all the smoke and no peace. Really? I mean, she's going to fucking kill you if you don't calm down, okay? This, uh, this, this, the wife ain't, this wife, your wife ain't playing. <laughs> I was listening to uh, uh, Apollonia, which is one of my favorite astrologers. I tell you, she was on this show, right? And she did a thing about cosmic uh, karma and stuff like that, like people who could be, you know, in your sinistry, 
like your karma or something like that. And she she talked about Dr. Dre and his wife, and she was saying, you know, how karmically she, like she is, like she sits on like a lot of his, you know, his um, his uh, his. Uh, his asteroids, like his, you know, when they start getting into asteroids and stuff like that, into uh, your uh, your synastry, your moon synastry, like she is like, she's the bitch that came to bring his ass down. <laughs> like she, like she is, she's strong, like he had, like he, like that's the one. Like she, he fell probably literally for her. Like she's just, she has a great thing. Yeah, I got to check her out on the YouTube, the Astrology Lady. But she was really, she was talking about how, you know, how just, Karmically, she is set up like you know to she, that she's got him, you know, in a in a lot of ways that you know he probably doesn't understand, right? And it, it, he probably needs to quit fighting her because she's going to probably get her coins, I think. But you know, it says Dr. Dre's alleged mistress ordered to testify in big money divorces, according to page six. Now, Dre, why you want these mistresses to come out in these streets? I hope. Don't the other things I'm talking about. You know what the rumors are, you know? Because I'm sure that if you keep fucking around with her, she going to try to bring out some other shit. Now, Dre, you got to say she knows where the bodies are buried. Mm-hmm. 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 And you know what the other stuff is out here, okay? You're rather <laughs> Three of Dr. J's alleged mistresses have been ordered to testify in his divorce case, according to a recent ruling. The three, William, Jillian Spear, Kelly Anderson, Kylie Anderson, what's that her name? Or Crystal Rogers, a.k.a. Crystal Sahara, have been fighting to stay out of the bitter divorce case. But Dre's estranged wife, Nicole Young, won a round in court this month when it was ruled that the trio can be disposed. Dre... You better quit fucking with her. I keep telling you, he he's already, this nigga done already had an aneurysm, okay? <laughs> he's, literally, he's literally been in the hospital. We, serious, Trey? <laughs> give her her money. I, just give her the money. She was married to her for 20-some years. Dude, she's bringing out my mistresses. The mistresses is about to know they go. <laughs> A hot mess, man. <laughs> anyway, a lawyer for the women, Chris Lafon, previously filed a motion to quash his penis, compelling them to testify. Reports stating uh, none of them has information relevant to the enforceability of the prenuptial agreement over which Dre and Nicole are battling in court. But according to a ruling filed last week in L.A., Superior Court, the discovery referee in the case, David S. Winberg, concluded each of them may have information relevant to the issue of temporary support and fees as well as the validity and enforceability of the alleged premarital agreement. Um, Winberg added their dispositions may be taken narrowly tailored to those discrete subject matters. Young side is seeking to learn about the alleged relationships and whether Dre lavished the women with money and gifts during the marriage. The court also ruled Dre and the women's uh, sides uh, must pay nearly 10000 in sanctions at 2500 apiece, court records show, since their resistance to the request was without substantial uh, 
uh, substantiation. Uh, as previous filings by the women's lawyers didn't address whether they had affairs with Dr. Dre, but their attorney, LaFan, reportedly wrote in papers, an extramarital affair would be relevant because California is a no-file state. And in pleading or proceeding for a dissolution of marriage or legal separation of the parties, evidence of specific acts of misconduct is improper and inadmissible. Dre has previously vehemently denied reports about any past romantic link to Anderson, a former model behind a beauty line called Skin and Senses. Now, what his wife is trying to do, listen, I, you can see what she's trying to do. She don't give a fuck about the affairs, Dre, okay? She knows who you've been, the bitches you've been fucking with. She's been married to you for 20-some fucking years, okay? You know, if I put myself, you know, I try to put my little self in it. If I, I don't blame Drake, because you know when you you married to it like that, like billions. I told you one of my favorite episodes. This is Cyborg. There's a show called Billions. I love not billions. I love billions too. But there's a show called uh, about a family, a rich family. Oh God, shit! I forgot the name of the film of the damn movie. The show because it's been so damn long since they had the damn show. Oh my God, I forget the name of this. But it's about this super wealthy family who owns all these media things, right? And he he's married to he's on his third or second wife, and the third wife is playing the fucking game, okay? She understands he's a, his old ass is a billionaire, and his old ass is still out here trying to creep in these streets. But it's a part, it's a part in the show where she, she comes up to the mistress, and she floors the mistress ass. She comes says to her, she said, I just want to know if you've had all your tests, because, you know, I still sleep with him, too. I was like, I, I said, that, that, that's a wife. That's how you play the game with these old... <laughs> this old crusty ass that still got billions of dollars to try to play. The mistress was so shocked. Like the mistress was like, "What?" She was like, "I just want to make sure that you have your your test because, like, bitch, I've been through women like you before. I know what the fuck you are. Uh, I'm the wife. He still sleeps with me too. I need to know, make sure that you you on point. That you got all your <laughs> that you got all your tests. Ain't nothing like an OG wife like that that make women be like, oh, shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Them, is, them type of wives is nothing to play with, okay? Dre, you know that's what type Nicole is. Nicole strikes me as a type that I know every trick that you've been with, okay? That's why she can dispose them so easily. And she ain't caring about the affairs and proving the affairs. She's a lawyer. She knows California is a no uh, contest or no, uh, you know, no uh, they, uh, no state where you don't it doesn't matter about the affairs. What she's trying to see is if you've been spending that fucking money on them. Yeah. <laughs> she don't get that prenup turned up. She don't get that prenup turned up. <laughs> Dre, you Dre, you make it. Dre, settle this shit, man. Stop it. Stop doing this. Quit trying to be hard ass. You better settle that shit, man. She could she come for your throat. She, <laughs> she, she knows you, dude. You can stop it, man. Stop. Dre, stop. <laughs> Poor Jack, Dr. Dre. I feel so damn sorry for him, man. He's so stupid. He still want to fight her, though. He still trying to fight her. I mean, he really trying to keep that little buddy, Dr. Dre. When it's all over, it goes back into the box anyway. Quit fighting that woman. <laughs> Quit fighting her. Before you mess around up in here and have another aneurysm fucking with her, <laughs> she ain't nothing to play. She ain't going out like Michelle. Like she ain't going out like these other chicks. Okay, 
you better quit playing. <laughs> she don't, she don't, every night, she gonna try, and listen, she ain't gonna, if she doesn't get any of that money, she, oh, she gonna write books and shit. I can tell you that now. You, boy, you better, you better quit playing up in here. Oh, Nicole Young is no joke. I see that. <laughs> Nicole is not playing no games in these streets, okay? <laughs> My advice, Dre, is to get your shit, get your lawyers together and ask them what she wants. Tell her, I can't give you half, but shit, I, I can give you 300 shit, 200 Get your ass out of here and pay the lawyer fee. Yeah, let, me, let me have peace, peace, peace. Peace is good. I don't know. Peace is worth it. You know what I'm saying? To have a peace of fucking mind, especially after you done had an aneurysm, because <clears throat> the one thing that money can't buy, it can help you when you're in a sickness. It can help you buy buy you the best health care, but it can't buy life. If you fucking sick, you sick. It can't buy health. If you fucking unhealthy, you unhealthy. And listen, ain't nothing worth your health. Because, see, you can make another billion. But you can once you make up one billion, you they say in the game you know how to make the other billions, okay? But you can listen here, listen, Dre. You only get one life, and health is everything. And she already knows, like you know, you already been on such stress. Your ass been up there laid up in the hospital. You better calm your ass down. Shoot, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's fighting this. He better stop it. All right, let's talk about salty, 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 what's her name, salty? Salty. Y'all got some strange names, okay. Seemingly responds to leaked son of Quavo mentioning reports that he brought, he repossessed a car he bought her. Now, let me just say this, okay, ladies. He did not buy you the car if he repossessed it, okay. It was a loan. It was a lender or whatever. If he bought you the car, Real dudes with real money and shit like that, real real dudes who's really in the game, like, unless you just a complete, like, fuck. And most of if they buy you the car, first of all, ladies, if you, you going around, don't brag on nothing that ain't nobody bought you. Like, you ain't got it in your name and it ain't paid for. Mm-hmm. All right, ain't an agreement in paper. Do not go around bragging on, this is my man, you know, this is my man bought me this car. Just say, hey, he, it's a lender. Because if this if something go down and shit, and you start taking shit back, you don't want to be out here in these streets looking stupid. I saw that one night on one of these pole dancing, uh, pole shows, stripper pole stripper shows. This girl, okay, she had been messing around with this this man, uh, this married man, okay, and he was buying her all kind of shit. He bought her kind of, and the wife found out. Wife started pulling shit from her, started pulling the condo. She was homeless, took the car back and shit like that. No. See, you got to, when you're dealing out here with these married men in these streets and they paying you, you better make sure that shit's in your name, that condos is in your name. They can't kick you out real fast and all that You better listen here, okay, because you playing a dangerous game, an edgy game. First of all, when he married and and you and you living off his shit, you got to make sure that you, if y'all girls going to be out here playing these games, play them right, okay? Salty, uh, if he has, if he if he did not give her give her that Bentley, then you know that was all fake, okay? They was both bragging on something that he probably leased. But it says it looks like Hollywood's former rap, uh, Hollywood's former rap couple 
uh, are still going at it after footage was released from TMZ of Quavo and Sati tussling over an orange Call of Duty case in the elevator. Uh, uh, went viral. The Los Angeles Police Department has reportedly opened an investigation into what led to the elevator incident, but it doesn't end there. Last month, various gossip sites reported rumors that Quavo had had the Bentley he got for his girlfriend repossessed following their breakup, a claim Quavo's reps eventually denied. Which, you know what, I would say deny that because real men don't do it. If you gift somebody, if it's a gift, not if it's a lease or if it's a I'm going to give you this while you my girl type of thing. But if you made it like it was a gift to her, you had it on social media with bows and shit on it, the last thing a real man does is take that shit back, okay? He's like, all right, whatever. You know, real dudes don't do that. Real dudes, because they know they got they, they got coins. they like, I ain't fuck, fuck. It was a gift to her. If she want to be no good out in these streets, whatever. That's the last shit she get from me. First of all, you got to be careful who you give this shit. But if you get, but I'm just saying, a gift is a gift, okay? Don't be trying to fucking take it back because shit didn't work out, okay? And girls, listen, the ultimate hypergamous out here in these streets since you ladies are trying to be hypergamous nowadays is Mariah Carey. Just breathe of Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, that Aries, that Aries ain't no fucking joke, is she? I mean, she she's she's dealing with some little cheaper ass in there. Like she's dealing with the, what's the little dude she's messing with. That's a little fun for her. what's the little the fun little the boy like the the, the assistant. Boy. What's the boy that's running around there? She's messing with oh she the little guy she's messing with now. Hey, that's fun. Mariah's having fun. Whatever. She's messing with Nick. Nick was kind of fun and probably for babies. Oh Mariah, we gonna talk about Nick in a minute. But. Mariah, when she was fucking with James Packer and Tommy Matola, that bitch came. Tommy Matola, she came out with the biggest career in uh, in 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 show business. <laughs> I mean, it cost her ass a lot. Tommy Matola's ass cost her ass a lot. She might have had to be locked up a couple of years, but the bitch came out with a hell of a catalog and uh, uh, being the top female artist of all time. Shit, was <laughs> a couple of years locked up. In the mansion. <laughs> but, you know, the Aries, Aries is about that life. Aries will pay that price, okay? Now, the heifer that started messing with James Packer end up with the end of the relationship. What she, what she, what she end up with? The ring. She, she had a, still kept the, the ring, they said, which was worth like $10 million. And this negotiated with his ass allegedly for money for her time because they didn't get married. Bitch. Mariah Carey is the chick, okay? And see, James Packer didn't have no time to deal with that shit. James Packer's family is worth a huge Packer. He's worth a lot of money. He like, fuck that shit. I know it's Mariah Carey. We understand what kind of exchange it was. All right, it didn't work out. She can keep that shit, that ring, and I'm going to give her some money for her time. Shit. That's the kind of man I am, honestly. I got that guy to move on in life. Okay? That's what real men do. Real ballers. <laughs> Okay, he so says, now the one-third of the rap trio Migos is supposed to have responded to the Bentley rumors in a still unreleased song. She's slimy, she's sneaky, taking back the Bentley, and the icy rapper supposedly responded to the music in a now-deleted skit she posted on her IG. Salty played herself, and fans believe the other character she played in the skit is Quavo, okay? Salty walks in the room looking for her keys and asks Quavo, has he seen her keys? Nope, I haven't seen them. The Quavo character says, 
But weren't you driving my car last? Salty asked the other character. I don't know, the Quavo character responds before Salty says, don't be losing my keys. I'm your best friend. I will never steal your keys. Quavo rebutted. The two characters hug it out. It has a cameraman zooms in on the Quavo character holding the keys behind his back and bearing the evil smirk. Fans thought this was an apparent response to Quavo's new verse on the record, and some found it hilarious. And she said, I don't know why people automatically assume rap lyrics are real life. LOL. LOL. She is pure comedy, though. Laughing my ass off. She's so clever addressing the rumors without addressing it. Okay, that's what people were saying, okay? Uh, so, listen. It says, Quavo and Salty unfollowed each other on Instagram. Y'all know the story. Uh, you know, and I guess whatever the situation, they, they broke up, okay? But here's the thing, okay? I don't know whether he took her Bentley back or not, but it's embarrassing to both of them if he did because they both bragged online that it was a gift. Don't brag about your gift. You know, like, 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 because that's what makes me think it might have been a publicity thing with them because they bragged about it. And now somebody's repossessing back a gift. I'm like, what? That, that's kind of, that's kind of slimy. Okay, so that's why I just say let this let be a lesson to you ladies out here. If you're with some man who's ultra wealthy and he says, I'm going to gift you this brand new, uh, you know, Bentley, I'm going to gift you this and this and that, you know, all this Porsche, I'm going to, you know, gift you this, make sure, say, hold up, boo, thank you, first off, but I need to see the paperwork. <laughs> right here, because I'm not going to... You know what? I need to see the paperwork. Is this a gift? Or are you lending this to me? Is this a is this a gift? Is this a real gift? Or is this a, is this a gift that says as long as we're together, gift? So I can know how to uh, uh, you know exp- you know how to, to 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 receive this gift because if it's a real gift, then I know it's mine and I'm receiving it like it's mine. But if it's a gift that you're handing me like, oh, you're my girl, I want you to look good while you're my girl, then I understand to handle it lightly, not handle it as a gift. I understand it's alone. It's not a gift here, okay? You know what I'm saying? So women always get that, uh, understand that energy up front, okay? It's car- this goes with cars, houses, whatever the fuck they're giving you, uh, is it a gift, okay? And if it's a gift, I need paperwork. I need to show that it's a gift, okay? Needs to be in my name, okay? Or at least we need to have some contractual or things written up to the agreement. And you have to do that with you're dealing because you're dealing with men who have lots of money, okay? And they need to understand that you putting your because once you start dealing, if you're dealing with a guy who has a whole lot of money, and let's say you got your own little money, okay? You working at the little, your little job, okay? Whatever. <laughs> but he's starting to buy you these big ass gifts and stuff like that. You really do have to say, and I know it's unromantic, but I would really have to say, hey, we really have to discuss this because you're bringing me gifts, and these are gifts that I don't want to be sitting up here, you or us arguing over if the relationship's over. We really need to, if you're going to start gifting me these big items, then I need to uh, have that in writing that these are gifts, okay? Shit, fuck that. I know it's unromantic, but I need to have... That nice-ass car and this nice condo or this nice house you done bought. <laughs> Make sure I can't, my ass can't get kicked out. <laughs> At least not right away. 
Okay, so ladies, that's shit you get. Because a lot of you ladies will move all into these houses and cars and all this stuff, and then when they start snatching it away from your ass, you back to uh, point one. No, you need to make it so there is an agreement that you you got you that you understand what it is, so there won't be no shots if shit goes bad. Okay, especially when you ain't married to him. Okay, all right. Oh Lord, when we come back. <laughs> Such a crazy ass show. I don't know what I do. <laughs> I don't know what I can want to talk about. I'm just crazy, okay? When we come back, we're going to talk about can blood from young people slow aging? Do you know how long conspiracy theories, conspiracy theorists have been out here talking about how the elites use blood from young people to keep themselves from aging? This has been an old conspiracy theory for years. Now in Newsweek magazine, they have an article this week, Can Blood from Young People Slow Aging? Wow. So much for conspiracy theory, right? I mean, some crazy ass conspiracy <laughs> This week I followed. Let me just tell you. This week I had to follow because he was talking shit this week, again this week. Larry Johnson, he was talking about, oh, I forget who he was talking about. He was talking about DMX. He was playing some of the DMX uh, uh, old tapes and talking about, you know, talking about how the industry didn't. Didn't look at, you know, I, I ain't ready to dismiss Larry Johnson. You can't see chief old Larry Johnson. I followed his ass this week because he was saying some interesting things. Yeah, I know he got some out there theories, but I, I, I entertain, like I said, I entertain people's crazy ass conspiracy theories. My mother comes up with some crazy ass conspiracy theories, <laughs> and I entertain her ass. <laughs> okay, so I entertain, I will entertain conspiracy theories because I don't think sometimes they, they they might not be conspiracy. And this is one of the conspiracy theories my mother used to tell me. My mother listens to this. She loves this psychic called Sloan. And I like her too. I watch. I listen to her some nights. She used to be a Hollywood big psychic or whatever. And sometimes I'll listen to her lives and stuff like that. But <laughs> she would be talking about how elites, certain elites, be drinking blood from youth and stuff like that. I was like, what? <laughs> Right, so I thought that was the craziest thing, but here it is in Newsweek magazine. They so crazy no more. So we'll talk about that when I get back, and we'll talk about uh, Nick Cannon has another set of twins on the way. Jesus, Nick. Also, we'll talk about uh, how Diddy is coming for uh, General Motors in these streets. China is out here watching Ashanti. Yes, I said China is watching Ashanti. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about Black Lives Founder buys a million-dollar home, and local chapters in other cities ain't too fucking happy about it, <laughs> okay? So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. I'm going to try to get it all in, y'all. Y'all know I know we're getting down on time. Y'all know we might probably have to have a part two. It is what it is. You know how we do out these streets, okay? So <laughs> we're going to go on break, but right now, uh, let me see, what do I want to play y'all? See, I didn't have it right. I didn't have it set up right. Oh, yeah, I know what I want to play. Oh, I love this one. You know, I play a lot of old school around here, okay? Old school around here. So I'm going to play Ralph Trazan, one of my favorites, new edition. Okay, for new edition, Money Can't Buy You Love. It's the Carlotta Chatwood Show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a moment. Can never buy your love. No. I'm
did. I cooked your dinner too. Damn. <laughs> Must be nice. I remember listening to this uh, show one time with uh, uh, I used to love the Foxhound. Used to come on uh, uh, Jamie Foxx's thing and uh, and the original Foxhound when it was first on. And Jamie Foxx interviewed Babyface, and he it was so funny. And he, it was one of the best Babyface interviews. I wish they put that on YouTube somewhere. It was a, it was like he was asking him about everything because I think Tracy had just you know Tracy had not been divorced like maybe a couple of years. He asked him about the money, about you know losing weight. He asked him about. Like um, I think he asked him about uh, her marrying Eddie Murphy. It was he was asking. About, it was good. It was a great interview, and it was one of the funniest parts. He started talking about how one time he he had got invited to a birthday party for Tracy. I guess and that he said like you know at the birthday party like when she came up the stairs I guess to this party and they opened the doors. It was an orchestra playing and everybody standing around. And he said he was there, and he was like, Jamie Foxx was, you know, real funny. He's like, he said, he was like, this is some real-life shit. Like, he really liked this in real life. He really liked the song. <laughs> and he's like, how can anybody leave you? It was funny. So it was a great interview. I remember hearing that. So I thought that was hilarious about Babyface and the type of songs that he always writes, which is always very romantic. Before that, it was uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. They produced that. I mean, Ralph Trasman's Money Can't Buy You Love. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced that. Listen, they need to do a versus. They need to do an unprecedented versus bringing back Babyface to go against Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It's only fitting. I mean, I like Teddy Riley. Teddy is great. But dudes like, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Babyface, and I need L.A. there, too. Babyface, L.A., and the Daryl guy. I forget this. I forget the other guy, Daryl something. They need to all three be there against Babyface and, I mean, against Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. That would be, that is the verse. Okay? That's what y'all, y'all need to do that verse. I need to have that verse. Oh, my God. You know how many hits they had? Between all of them. I mean, like, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are the only people I feel that can be, that are worthy Besides, like a Quincy Jones of Babyface, you can't. And Quincy Jones, of course, you know. But they, those are the only two. You can't. There's nobody else. Okay. <laughs> and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they would be great. And Jim, speaking of that, they had an interview. Like they replayed an old interview because y'all like who's Bay Maxwell? Okay, Maxwell did an interview with. Uh, they replayed on series XM this week about uh, with with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It's such a good interview. I listened to it actually the second time. Because he advertised it, and I listened to it, and it was such a good conversation, such a rich conversation about, you know, music. I mean, like, and, you know, and especially how Jimmy Jam and Terry function, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's really schooling Maxwell, and Maxwell's kind of listening. Maxwell's talking about the things he loved about them and stuff like that. And he, musically, how Max, certain things Maxwell loved. I mean, and he, you know, which I didn't pay attention to the first interview. I listened to the first interview, but there was a part in it where he talked about SOS Band. And listen, and when I was a kid, I told you my first concert was SOS Band, Gap Band, Zap, or whatever. And it's because I loved the SOS Band. My mom took me to the SOS Band. I was a big SOS Band person. I loved it. So they talked about a little bit how the SOS Band, how they got to produce the SOS Band. So they got really, really good interview, okay? So if you guys, you know, have XM Radio, you can probably go back. I think he has, it's on Jimmy Jam's On Demand, I think, too. You can listen to it on demand. So 
definitely check out the interview. It's a very interesting conversation between Maxwell and Jimmy Jam. And, you know, what's interesting is Jimmy Jam kind of says, allude to that one day they may work with Maxwell. I love that because Maxwell, I would love to see Maxwell work with somebody like the greats, like Jimmy Jam, like a baby face, to see what they come up with all together. Like, you know, and then I want Maxwell to do something like that would be so off, so off kilter for Maxwell. I want him to do something like with somebody weird, like for real. Like that every like a, a commercial, like something weird. I just wanted to do because it's strange for Maxwell to do something like like when I sing Lenny Kravitz, Maxwell needs a storm. Like not, I'm not saying the same song, but like you, like what Lenny, what Pharrell was able to do for Lenny Kravitz. Oh, I love that. I love that song with, with you know. I don't need Jay Z to rap on it, but I love that the combination between Jay Z, Lenny Kravitz, and Pharrell. That storm song. Oh, It was great for Lenny Travis. It's like it's a combination of Lenny Travis style, like that rock style, meeting R and B. Fuck, that's a fabulous song. I would love to see what for real. Cause I love for for real is one of my favorite new school producers. Kind of like he's and and, and and the reason why I say because I love the sounds he makes. He just has this odd uh, this odd musical sound with all these like a futuristic element, but it's still, you can hear jazz elements to it, R&B elements. Oh, man, it's just like, you know, it's so, it, he's, so he's so good. I think that people, he's kind of underrated because he's worked, you know, he's worked on, worked on massive, massively produced things. And sometimes, you know, you, you, you really can't see how great of a producer, but I love to see such a, him, because he's so great musically with a guy like Maxwell and what they could come up with. That's my dream to see a for real Maxwell combination. I really like that. <laughs> All right, so All right, so let's talk about um let's talk about Nick. Are we gonna talk about Nick first? What am I gonna talk about? Nick, Nick, uh, Nick. I don't know if I'm gonna have time to get through Nick today, really. I just really don't know. So let's talk about Black Lives Matter. How much of her money is actually going to charitable causes? Head of New York City Black Lives Matter chapter calls for a probe into organization's co founder has this revealed she has spent three million dollars on four luxury homes. You know what? It's hard to be an activist and be connected to um corporations or to work for them. You know, it's almost like you have to, in order, because you become compromised. I actually say don't call yourself an advocate anymore. Maybe try to figure out a new word for it. Because I'm not against people making money. Because people like Dr. King and and uh, Malcolm died broke. But also they understood that the mission, their mission um, was, they had to be taken care of by the community. Because their mission was so great that they couldn't have their voices compromised by corporations, governments, and things like that. They had to be able to speak truth to power. And often, especially in today's society, if you're connected with a corporation or something, it's very hard to uh, be able to speak deep truths to power. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, But here it's saying, this is according to the Daily Mail, uh, it's saying that the head of the New York City Black Lives Matter chapter is calling for an independent investigation in, into the organization's finances after it was revealed 
uh, a co-founder snapped up a 1.4 million home in Ritzy, Los Angeles neighborhood. Patrice Cullis, 37, who was co-founder of VLM and self-professed trained Marxists, recently purchased a plush property in Topanga Canyon, complete with a separate guest house and expensive backyard. In Topanga Canyon, 88% of, uh, of residents are white and just 1.8% are black, according to the census. Meanwhile, the New York Post reports Colors has also bought three other homes in recent years at a total cost of around $3 million. Wow. The AP reported that Black Lives Matter took in $90 million in donations last year, but it's not clear of how Colors is paid by the organization. This are opaque. Now, listen, we've talked about this for Black Lives Matter. A lot of people, it's, uh, the hashtag Black Lives Matter, the wording of Black Lives Matter is understandable. The organization has always been questionable, and a lot of people have always thought Black Lives Matter is full of bullshit, okay? real. A lot of real activists have always thought this is like, it's a bunch of bullshit from its inception. Okay, from its inception, and a lot of people have suspected that white, powerful liberals are behind Black Lives Matter, and Black Lives Matter, some people believe, allegedly, is a smokescreen to fund money to other uh, white liberal um, causes, okay? And Black Lives Matter is the front for that. There's a lot of people that believe that, okay? Um, The AP reported that, Black Lives, uh, it says the news has, uh, has angered Hawk Newsom, the head of Black Lives Matter, Greater New York City, who says a probe into Colas' finances are needed. If you go around calling yourself a socialist, you have to ask how much of her own personal money is going to charitable causes, he said to the publication. It's really sad because it makes people doubt the validity of the movement and overlook the fact that it's the people that carry this movement, okay? Uh you know, even though in Los Angeles, $1.4 million house, see, that might be a fucking shack. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a pretty nice neighborhood. In addition to Topanga Canyon, uh, property in the New York Post record, uh, reports that Cullis and her husband also purchased a custom ranch on 3.2 acres in Conyers, Georgia, last year for 415000 Additionally, the publication claims the property records show Cullis has bought two other Los Angeles homes in recent years. Now, we see this happen with a lot of, we saw this happen with a black, a lot of black leaders over the recent years. And now, here's this. This is me, okay? I'm not against black leaders making money, especially when people are out front. I'm not against people funding them and helping them to get money and helping them to live nice lives because when you're in that kind of, I wish more people had uh, bless Martin and Malcolm while they were here, where they could live in ma- mansions and nice homes because the kind of work they were doing, at least they, they needed to know that their families were safe and their families were put up nicely and stuff like that. But to me, that should have been done work done by the community, buying, and buying things from them and stuff like that. Um, when organizations are funded by celebrities and we start talking about, you know, uh, corporations and stuff, then you really become something more than an activist. You become something different because activism is going to require you to have your full vocal, you know, to speak. And I, I, I would say now she's become something else, okay? And even they said she's had a contract with Warner Brothers and things like this. <laughs> it's going to kill activism. It's going to compromise her. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people over the years, a lot of these black um, 
uh, so-called activists have taken money from corporations only to help and enrich themselves, but it never gets out to the community. And that's the problem. So you wonder for over the last 30 years, what kind of activism have you actually been doing? Have you been doing activism to enrich you and your friends, but failing to enrich the community? That these corporations will give you the money to leave them alone, but you fail to to make real inroads into those places for your people, okay? And so that's been a complete, huge big problem in the community, okay? And it's been a problem with leadership. It's nothing. It's nothing wrong to me for leadership to get paid. I. I I mean, for preachers, people who do hard jobs, I'm for them to get paid and taken care of. It's just making sure that the job you're doing is that you're doing it well, that activism is actually, your activism is actually working to empower the community. But when we see you doing activism for 30 or 40 years and the fucking community looks the same and you getting richer and richer day by day, well, then you got a question, you're activism, okay? Uh but uh, I'm not surprised about this Black Lives Matter thing. It's, it's been uh, going for a long time. I suspect uh, that, uh, and it says one LGBTQ activist described Black Lives Matter has a racket. Wow. Jason Whitlock, a sports journalist, tweeted that she had a lot of options on where to live. She chose one of the whitest parts in California. She'll have to pick her, her pick of the white uh, to complain about. That's a choice, bro, or something. Arthur, an activist, and the Negro tweeted, Colors identifies as a communist and advocates for uh, abolishment of capitalism. Um, listen, <laughs> often these people say one thing and do another thing. So I'm not surprised there. And I, I'm sure she'll take, she'll probably take the file if money has been misused. Uh, they're going to use her. They're going to put her as the fall guy in all of this. So unfortunate for her. That's, that was not a smart move to make, okay? Uh, Sean Diddy Combs last book, GM General Motors and Oprah Letter, If You Love Us, Pay Us, according to Yahoo.com. It says on his revolt site, Combs joined the decline, uh, joined those declining racism behind General Motors' limited spending with black media. Music mogul Sean Diddy Combs has added to uh, to the course of media magnets, calling on major corporations to spend advertising dollars with black-owned media companies. Combs pinned an open letter on Revolt, his cable network, entertainment, and news site, where he opened with a quote from activist Archbishop Desmond Tutu, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. The same uh, feet uh, these companies used to stand with us in solidarity are the same feet uh, they used to stand on our next comes vote. He alluded to a recent uh, recent missive and advertisement written by Byron Allen of Allen Media Group, which owns the Grio, that called out racism behind General Motors' limited spending with black-owned media companies. In their response, GM, CEO, Mayor Barr, and General Motors' name revolt has one company that they support. Combs contradicted that account. While Revolt does receive advertising revenue from GM, our relationship is not an example of success. Instead, Revolt just like the black, other black-owned media companies, fights for crumbs while GM makes billions of dollars every year from black community growth. Exposing GM's historic refusal to fairly invest in black-owned media is not an assassination of character. It's exposing the way GM and many other advertisers has all, have always treated us. No longer can corporate America manipulate our community into believing that incremental progress is, is an acceptable action. 
Corporations like General Motors, Tom continues, have exploited our culture, undermined our power, and excluding black entrepreneurs from participating in the value created by black consumers. Uh, he goes on to break down the numbers in writing. In 2019, uh, brands spent $239 billion on advertising. Less than 1% of that was invested in black-owned media companies. Out of the roughly $3 billion General Motors spent on advertising, we estimate only $10 million was invested in black-owned media. Only $10 million out of $3 billion. Like the rest of corporate America, Combs contends General Motors is telling us to sit down, shut up, and be happy with what we get. To him, corporate America's refusal to spend equitably with black-owned media brands is disrespectful to a community that spends over $1.4 trillion annually. If you love us, pay us. Not a token investment, not a charity or a check donation, he concluded. The time is right now, okay? Listen, a lot of people said Puffy was the wrong guy to bring this to General Motors, okay? Because Puffy has a history of exploiting his artists, okay, that some people have alleged Puffy to do, okay? Um, I kind of agree and I kind of disagree. It's a, I'm a little bit of both, Okay. Uh, I like Puffy. Maybe he's a fellow Scorpio thing or whatever. To me, he's no Jay Z. Uh, to me, uh, I, I, and no offense to Jay Z, I really, you know, here it's something I was having a conversation about yesterday, the other day, a couple of days ago, with somebody, and I was saying how there are so many black kids with college degrees, master degrees, but we never hear about the business business. Because I was watching this thing on TV, and I said we never hear about them being the great moguls. We hear constantly about dudes who thugs and dropped out of school. Like, you you know, possibly you wonder, like, how, I mean, it's hard for people who have the degrees in this to sometimes understand business, but you always hear about some ex-drugger, suddenly he's a mogul. It's also, it, 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 it's crazy. I don't know. Some of the stuff I'd be like, wow. I mean, we never hear a story about somebody has a master's degree in economics and they running two kit companies, record companies, whatever. But Puffy is actually uh, bred, uh, was in college. Puffy had an actually nice background of, of, you know, a family came from middle-class America. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that the people who don't come from middle-class America can't succeed. I'm just saying that we hear constantly stories, these stories of people who are not educated or don't have any educational background are always being moguls. But Puffy really some has somewhat of the educational background. A lot of times you what you and Puffy I, I really feel that um even though Puffy has a troubled history with artists, you know, and I can see where people are coming from, okay? Definitely. I do admire him from do admire him from doing this because we've been asking for people like him to do black politics and Puffy's trying to do black politics. He's trying to say, Hey, they're not spending the advertising dollars with us. And I'm a black-owned media company. I'm really a black-owned media company. And I'm trying to get the dollar. I'm not faking. I ain't fronting for no white. You know, I may have white partners, but I ain't fronting for, you know, like other artists. <laughs> fronting, uh, front, front, fronting for no uh, 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 white groups. It is what it is. This is, you know, it. I am really out here run the thing. So I can admire what he says. I can admire this move by him. And yeah, uh, a lot of these corporations, don't, they claim they want to work with, you know, African American communities. A lot of them don't want to support black owned business and entrepreneurial groups. And they're quite unfair when it comes to advertising. Yet 
black people spend billions of dollars with a lot of these companies every year. So shout out for fuck to him for standing up for that. I, I can I can respect that. Okay. Um, Dick Cannon. Oh God, I, you know what? I want to get all this news out, y'all. So I'm gonna try to go into overdrive and talk to y'all about it. If I don't finish in overdrive, then I would do, you know, stay on the phone lines or whatever. But I would do. Uh, I, I, if it cuts off in overdrive, then I will uh, make sure I do a part two, okay, uh, sometime this week. But let's get into Nick Cannon, okay? Oh Lord, I, I think I kind of. According to Daily Mail, Nick Cannon is expecting his fifth and sixth child. Has a girlfriend. This is a girlfriend because the other girl is supposed to be his girlfriend. This other girl, she just took had a photo shoot with her with me and Prince. <laughs> One thing for sure, Nick's ass is having all all the photo shoots with all his baby mama. <laughs> uh, she is having twin sons three months after Candace's other girlfriend, Brittany Bell, gave birth to their second child. <laughs> He's a future. He's future with a turban on. You know it. DJ uh, Abby Delarosa announced on Instagram that Karen Forty was the father. She announced uh, on December 14th she was expecting twins. Okay, and it says television presenter Nick Cannon is to become a father again three months after another girlfriend gave birth to their second child. Abby Delarosa, a 30-year-old DJ, confirmed on Sunday that Cannon is the father of their unborn twin son. She had announced on December 14th that she was pregnant. On Thursday, she celebrated her pregnancy with a, uh, with a, a desert photo shoot naked, uh, naked except for bi- uh, billowing uh, grief. A really <laughs> Gretchen style uh, rose on Sunday. What did she do? On Sunday, she wrote on Instagram, I pray that God give, give you both the strength to walk brave and boldly in your individual truth, just like your daddy. Cannon was pictured uh, in the images on Sunday for the first time. Let me just talk about these girls, okay? Because, you know, Mr. Nick Cannon might be out here trying to have him a little um, sister wives and shit like that. That's what he's probably trying to do. Nick, that's why you can't talk freely. You know, I'm going to just say fucking say Nick, that's why you had to go apologize to them people, which for shit you were saying. You was trying to be a strong black man and trying to be out here in these streets and talk that shit, but you can't talk no shit when you got six babies on the way. I mean, well, you got folks because Mariah's taking care of them too. Mariah, Mariah, I know you in these streets talking about what the fuck. Because if I was Mariah, I'd be like, this is messy. I done had a baby by this messy. This dusty. Twins, all the men I could have had babies with. I could have had a baby with James Packer's ass. I, I could have had a baby with, uh, you know, I'm, but this this dusty over here. Having just having babies all over the place. <laughs> and I know people are saying, well, at least he can't afford them, Carlotta. No, Nick can't afford much. Nick, Nick had to lose his voice. Nick had to go kissing ass back to get his 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 place, his job back. And we see why he needs his job back. Because Nick is tired of Nick's tired of fuck up. Nick is running around here screwing everybody, creating sister wives communities, okay? And, you know, I, I, as I said, Nick, unless you're going to build a community with all of them on there so you can see them, you can spend equal time with the children, you're being a dusty ass. And you be talking all this black power and stuff, but you're leaving a lot of single black mamas around here. What the fuck is going on? 
when you talk all that shit about black empowerment, black, black people, yeah, black people, but he's not so empowering for women. I mean, girls, be careful. I mean, I guess you just catch it unless you just want to check. But, I mean, that little money's divided. Well, no, you can't count Mariah's kids. Mariah's kids don't get their money. But he has some more babies because he, he seems, you know, Nick might be a little mentally unstable, too. I might be singing that a little bit. I'm going to have somebody look up his, I got to look up his chart. Because Nick is running around here with this turban on. He's been talking back in power. And now he's looking like he's having babies all over, like he's trying to create little sister wives complexes and stuff like Oh, man. <sighs> Women, quit doing this to yourself. Please, please, please. I mean, unless you want to be in the sister wife shit, okay. If you want to be a sister wife, go right on ahead. But, I mean, listen, y'all bitches know y'all going to get one of y'all going to get jealous of the other one. Somebody going to get mad about somebody. If somebody get more money than somebody and all that. And, you know, you, you some desperate hoes because – I'll just say this. He only married Mariah. Like, the only one, like, so like the, the rest of you, y'all running around here, he, you letting him create illegitimate households. And it's not good for your children to have some of him. I know you, you already, some of y'all already got babies out there. And some, you know, I ain't knocking y'all. I shouldn't call y'all tricks. Whatever. I'm just saying, be very careful. I mean, because you're bringing kids in here, and it don't matter that he got money. He's just having a bunch of babies, starting to be future-like. And, and, and listen, I ain't knocking no chicks. It can happen to anybody. Anybody could have been out in these streets and be a, a mama, a single mother. It's, it can happen, Okay. But some of you bitches is running around. I'd be like, you know, you running around taking pictures, announcing on Instagram, he the daddy. Listen, you ain't got to announce on Instagram. Just make sure your kids is taken care of. Because, like, now your kids is one to six. Now you're going to have two fucking kids to take care of. And trust me, the majority of that taking care of them kids is going to be on your ass, okay? Because Nick's going to be running around here doing uh, wilding out, uh, what else? He's going to be running around here in these streets. He's going to be doing, um, uh, what else he doing? Mass Singer and all this bullshit. And, and, and then he got this little Jewish thing or something with Jewish healing or something. Nick's going to be doing all kinds. They're going to have Nick's ass cap dancing all over the place, especially for checks for all you bitches and kids, okay? So uh, let me explain something, okay? The, you gonna be taking on the majority of this parent rearing of the rearing and rearing these children. I mean, rearing of these children, kids. You gonna be the parent. You gonna be the one to tag your it, okay? And and you got two motherfuckers, two babies raised at one. To, at you, not Brittany had one, and then a couple of years later had another one. But your ass, you had them. You gonna have two at one time, okay? It's a lot. It's a lot. You, y'all girls better start thinking. I don't care if he got money. I don't care. If he got dusty behavioral patterns, understand that you are bringing a child into the world. Okay? And that the majority of the re- the child care room will be on your ass. Okay? It's what it is. I said what I said. It's going to be on your ass. Okay? You want to take care of these kids, man. I, it's just sad. I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm actually 
actually shocked at me. Because I thought better of Nick Cannon. Damn, what are you doing? Take care of your kids, Nick. Try to be there as much as you can. <sighs> I know I was supposed to talk about this blood from young people. I'm going to skip that real quick so I can talk about Cherry Wilson, okay? And the Chinese government, I'll probably say that to the uh, to the uh, uh, the over watching Ashanti. I'll probably say that to over um, the after show. Okay, but let's get here. I gotta get this with Carrie Hilson. Okay, Carrie Hilson. Oh Lord, y'all, y'all just won't let up on Carrie's ass. Okay, Carrie said some shit a few years ago about Beyonce going to sit her ass down and have some babies and whatever during some time. And the Beehive been mad ever since. Okay. So she said a little competitive. She had a little competitive dig at Beyonce or whatever she was doing back in the day. Now Carrie told this long story that somebody put her told her to do it. Carrie, don't nobody want to hear that shit. Did nobody tell you to do it? I don't know. I don't believe it. If they did tell you to do it, you own that shit because you did it. Okay, you did it. You said what you said about Beyonce. You said, you know, I would have just said, hey, shit, yeah, I said it a long time ago. And, you know, hey. I'm cool with her now. Ain't no problems. It was fun. It was all in fun, Jess. But, you know, whatever. People took it too seriously. But not Carrie, it's really pain, Carrie, out in these streets, okay? Because y'all motherfucking beehivers won't let it go. And let me just tell you, the beehives are over-aggressive children and men who are, who just can't really, uh, you know, who who are, who who really look up to Beyonce, okay? You, you got to ignore that, 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 okay? Here you a grown-ass woman, okay? Now, according to 92 Gems, it says in an exclusive interview with Carrie Hilson, she talked about her spicy role in Lust, a Seven Deadly Sins movie, which I hated. I like Carrie. I like the stories, but I hated the script. Uh, is, that is leaving Jaws Wide Open in a new film produced by T.D. Jakes. Sherry is caught in a serious spicy love triangle right before uh, she's supposed to get married. In addition to talking about her experience in this new movie, Carrie also talked about how she would love to collaborate with Skill Sonic, and how she would also collaborate with someone we would have never experienced after years of drama uh, uh, rumors. Beyonce, okay? Now, I'm going to try to put this on. Do I got time? Let me see. Sherry talking about Beyonce there. I don't know if I got the clip. Okay, we're gonna have to do it in overdrive. We're gonna have to do it in overdrive. Talking about Carrie, talking about Beyonce. This is stuff. She sounds so, you know, she's really trying to. She's trying to get the beehive off her ass. Look, screw the beehive, Carrie. You're a grown ass woman. Let me try to find it up. Let me try to find it on here. Carrie Hilton. Thought I had it up, but it's the long one. Hold on. Yeah, so, I mean, I just need her to, she needs to stop. She, you know, you quit asking, letting them give you, tell the interviewer ahead of time um, that um, that you don't want to talk about Beyonce no more. It's an energy field, sir. These people are trying to make you, like, like feel sorry every time you walk in the door. Like, your career is surrounded about a fucking Beyonce. Your movie, your career is not uh, not just Beyonce. Your your, uh, your career is just not uh, about the beehivers. Who gives a fuck? Okay, Carrie, you, you doing action? One thing you can do, like I said, the Beyonce can't do is act. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Oh yeah, act, act well, build your career up as an actress. But don't be sitting up here uh, trying to keep apologizing over and over for some shit you said about five or six years ago that these beehive kids can't let go of. Who cares? 
shit. Beyonce ain't being up. People got the right to not like Beyonce's ass. People got the right to have opinions about Beyonce's ass. It's what it is. Everybody got everybody ain't gotta like Beyonce like y'all. And that's what it being grown. Being grown means everybody ain't gotta like Beyonce's ass. Hey, being grown, you say, Hey, you she I love Beyonce, but she don't like it. Or, you know, it is what it is, okay? But let me see. Let's play a little bit of Carrie if I can pull it up. I think I got the clip finally up. We got how long we got? Okay, this is okay. Here it is. Like in a movie or whatever they be. Yeah, sure. You know, um, after, it's been some years since all of this Beyonce drama and stuff like that. If you had the opportunity to collaborate with Beyonce, would you maybe do something? Like, even if it's not on the record, like in a movie or whatever they be. Yeah, sure. You know, um, Absolutely. Uh, she, see, she actually has introduced herself. Uh, it was a gracious moment. I appreciated it. Um, I feel like she understood what had happened, what had transpired, and uh, there was a bit of healing in that moment um, when we met. And um, I think I take her as a very intuitive kind of soul, as, as am I. And... Um, Yes, I think that uh, it would be a, probably a very fun experience to do that um, if she were open. But, yeah, I do feel like she understood what that was all about. It's been some years since all of this. I mean, you got to quit going around apologizing for the bullshit. So what? Okay, she said what I said. I said what I said. Okay, I've grown now. Beyonce's grown. I asked her, talked about it. Y'all motherfuckers want to keep talking about it out of here? You fine. Do what you got to do. But I'm over it. We're not going to talk about this stuff. Okay, my whole career ain't about ain't Beyonce. Hmm. I, got, I, I, I do other things in these streets. I mean, she's got to stop him from talking about it. She's got to stop him
like to do a part two, okay? So, so you're going to land it with the Isley Brothers dinner in a movie, and then I'm going in the overtime. That's not dinner in a movie, and y'all... Beyonce was out there a lot. 
she was doing everything, you know what I'm saying? And Carrie kind of came up and she said somebody put her up to it. Carrie, you was grown-ass woman at that time. I don't believe nobody put your ass up to nothing. I, but if they did put your ass up to it as a competitive thing, you went along with it. And I wouldn't even bother. I would have probably said, yeah, I did something stupid, but it was just as much me as them. I decided to do it, and it is what it is, okay? But here's the thing. What I could appreciate about appreciate about Carrie Hilson is that Carrie Hilson uh, was brave. She didn't, like, people was, like, tell her to take a picture. Somebody bought a magazine up to her with Beyonce on the cover, one that her to hold it, and she didn't. I appreciate that shit. She went up to her, oh, I'm just so, I'm so in love with Beyonce. Because you know what I say about Beyonce, and somebody wrote me this week. Somebody was telling me this week one of the beehives was telling me, Beyonce's been a lot of nice things for a lot of for a lot of people. People don't understand. Beyonce just said that. Beyonce did she did you see what she Donnie McClurgeon said she did nice for him? I said Beyonce. I didn't never say Beyonce was not a nice person. Beyonce is probably a very nice person. But I don't know what her motives are for being a nice person. I know that the energy surrounding her career is very competitive and insecure. I talk about her career. I don't like the energy surrounding her career. Her career is one that is highly competitive. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also energetically, uh, it, it has an energetic vampire feel to it. And you can be nice on the surface to people and still be an energetic vampire. Okay? I'm not, I'm not, hey, that's a, a lot of vampires are very nice. I mean, that's how they get close to you, to suck your blood. Somebody, I don't made it. Oh, I don't made it. Oh, they mad at me. Don't be real mad. Y'all, I'm gonna be kidding. Y'all gonna be like Carrie in these streets. You know, we talking about beehives. The beehives gonna hate me. I'm actually beehives sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm crazy about beehives. Sometimes I'm thinking, like, oh, geez, that was so dope. But I also can recognize when someone's career has an energetic vibration to it that is not not that cool. And I think that hers is that. I think that when we talk about the awards, the system of the awards, like just like this week with DMX, I don't, I'm not saying it's Beyonce, but like say somebody put out in the news that Beyonce and Jay Z is paying for DMX, giving him ten million, giving buying ten million dollars to buy his masters back and shit. They ain't gonna need ten million. And let me tell you something. Let me tell that family something. In a next, if you play these cards right, you're going to have all the money to buy back the Masters within a week. Because people are going to be buying merchandise and all that stuff, records, streaming, all kind of stuff. You should definitely have the money. The Jay-Z and Beyonce ain't got to pay for shit. But I didn't believe the story when I first heard the bullshit anyway. And somebody out here putting out nice stories and shit. I'm, just, I'm not saying that they people. I'm just saying that it's just the energy. I'm not saying they don't do nice things for people. I'm saying that they're in, but, but the energy they give off as artists does not carry that same kindness surrounding their career. And to me, if you embody a sense of kindness and and things like that, that doesn't mean you're not competitive. That doesn't mean you don't make shrewd deals and shrewd business deals. But your 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 career also has that energetic vibration of of kindness. And theirs doesn't. Theirs has aloofness. Theirs has uh, insecurity. And theirs has energetic vampirism. 
and theirs has a, 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 a win at all costs. Even if I prep myself up with a bunch of awards, I don't deserve. And I said what I said, and I don't beehive. I said I have the right to my opinion. Now, I can change my opinion later, too. Somebody may say something to me to say, no, Carl, it's really seriously, and make the argument that I say, you know what, okay, you're right, I'll give you that. Okay, but I have the right to not to feel what I feel. You ain't got you ain't got to like it. Okay, people say shit all the time about Janet Jackson. People always be saying Janet Jackson whispers when she's singing all that kind of shit. Okay, you can have you can have your opinion on Janet. I like Janet singing. My ass gets concert and the Beehive. You like that singing. You like Beyonce. Beyonce singing. I be at Beyonce concerts. I like Beyonce singing. I just am. I'm a truth teller though when it comes to her career. I don't think her music catalog is that great. I think her performances are great. And I said what I said. And Carrie needs to hold to what she thinks. Carrie don't have to be out here constantly. Uh, uh, she's, uh, uh, and be, uh, I don't know. Well, I hope we can perform together. No, Carrie. Do not ever perform with Beyonce, okay? Let me explain to you why Carrie Houston. First of all, she will outshine you. Secondly, you just don't need that energetic vibe. You need to be to work on your acting and work on uh, the movie portion of your career before you go back to singing. Because I think Carrie Hilson needs to develop as an artist what kind of artist she is. Because I think that was part of Carrie Hilson's problem that it was hard to kind of place her. And especially in this world of Beyonce and Rihanna, you know, it's it's so sad to me today because musically and a lot of uh, these um, people who are putting pumping this money behind these artists have made it so hard for great singers who don't, you know, they ain't popping their ass. They ain't There's nothing wrong with that. I like to pop in the ass. I like people popping their ass. I like dancing. I like tweet. I like to twerk. All that. It's fun. But it, it, it's unfortunate. Like this is pushed more. It's pushed more that you know, you be more of a burlesque singer and dancer now and that people don't find find it hard to entertain Sharday types or or entertain Anita Baker types anymore or Tony Braxton types, people who stand and sing and who emote emotions and give out, you know, vibes and they ain't got to do all that shit. So, see, a lot of times a lot of people have to give you extra entertainment because they're really not that great. So they have to be good at dancing and performing and doing acrobats on stage and shit like that because they think it's okay sometimes, right? So, um, but real singers with real musicianship and real, uh, you know, real great songs and stuff, they they are having such a, I feel like it's such a hard time for that type of artist among today's youth. I mean, you got her. Okay, you got the girl H-E-R. I like her, but she still, she's very, she still kind of is, she still, well, while I do like her music, she is very Alicia Keys gimmicky. I call her super Alicia Keys. Okay, she has an instrument she's playing and everything. And she still's not big as, no, like a Beyonce or anything. She's getting the awards, but she's not, you know, it's hard for those type of girls to, to make it, right? And there's a slew of other girls underneath the, uh, her that I think are even better than H E R or whatever that girl's name is. It's fuck shit. Her, okay? But it's hard to make it because the visuals have changed 
for what is, you know, a powerful artist. Like, it's hard for Whitney Houston to come up to that. Like, it's, it's, it, I feel like it's so hard for Whitney Houston, you know, in this day and time. You know, you literally have to be in a leotard and fucking burlesque dancing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just, I, you know, and so, it, you know, I mean, I, so Carrie, I feel like the world is not accepting of someone like Carrie yet into the industry because Carrie has, Carrie tried to, the pretty girl rock thing, she tried to be kind of Beyonce-like, you know, in terms of the, her looks and stuff. But Kiri is a throwback in her look. She's a classic beauty. And so, to me, Kiri looks like a grown-ass woman. So it's hard for Kiri to come off like uh, that burlesque type of dancer. And to me, Kiri needs to find herself musically. To me, she's a better songwriter right now than she probably is an artist. Because I don't, I can't see who she is as an artist. Like, I saw the Pretty Girl Rock song, but that was kind of, I still didn't see her as an artist. She wasn't defined to me as an artist. Like, I didn't, I couldn't place my, what I thought, like, what, who she is. Like, I, I couldn't, she's, it's something so, it's like Deborah Cox. Oh, fuck. Talk about Deborah Cox for a second. I remember one time Wendy, Wendy Williams told Deborah Cox something on, on her show years ago. And I said, damn, Wendy, that's cold, but it's right. She said to Deborah Cox, she said, you, she said, you're so perfect, you're so everything. I forget what it was. But she said, but you will never be huge because she said, you're so boring. Like I said, And Deborah Cox would see her fucking ass off. Okay, but Deborah Cox, that bitch is, this is a singer, okay? <laughs> But she literally told her, "You boring. You too. It's too, too. It's too perfect about you. You so perfect. You know what I'm saying? Carrie is a little bit of that. Not not the big voice like Deborah Cox, but it's like you're so like we can't see you like Deborah Cox is. Like she's had some hits, a couple of hits, but it's hard to see Deborah Cox. It really is. Like she came on the other day during D Nice's thing, and she's so sweet and so nice. And I was like, oh, but it's, it's like." It's, it's so hard to define. It's so there. It's so hard to define you because in, in when you're stepping into the arena of show business, it's just a much. It's just as much about imagery and knowing yourself as an artist as it is about you know the music. And so, it's so hard to define somebody like Deborah Cox. It's like you know you see she can really sing. And things like that, but it's like it's like it was for Jennifer. Um, what's the girl? Jennifer Holiday. When Jennifer Holiday did, you know, she had this big. But it was so hard for them to define Jennifer Holiday as an artist. They never could give her the right songs or anything. And, and part of that, I believe, is because. A lot of these women probably didn't have the definition in themselves. Like you know, I, like literally, when you see Tony Braxton, okay, let's talk about Tony Braxton for a second. Let's see Tony Braxton. Tony Braxton is smoldering, sexy. Okay, she was smoldering. Like she got this sm- something about. So I, even if she couldn't define it, it was already in her. 
you can see it. You can see, like, the way she moves. She has a slow move when she talks, you know, when she's talking to her sisters. Tamar, you know, she's, like, she's, she's moldering. So you knew that baby facing them could see it. You know, when they could give her the right songs, the look, and then Kevin got in there and started fixing her ass up. Like, because you already saw the sexy was already there. Like, for Deborah, I just see, like, like a Whitney Houston tribute singer. Don't get mad. She has to do something else that makes her less vanilla, okay? And then for Carrie, I just see a classic beauty who I'm like, she's out of her time. Like, like maybe Carrie would have been a great, like, jazz artist. She seems like out of her pop doesn't seem like her thing, even though she did that great pretty girl's rock. It still, she seems out of place. Like, I can't figure her out. And that's hard. That's, it makes it hard, and especially in these days where there are the big dogs are over-the-top uh, performers, okay? Not necessarily the music doesn't have to be that great, but their performance skills are so are, are big or something like that. Are, are they're, they're, so you have to define yourself. As an artist, you have to come out here with some sort of definition for her it has been Alicia Keys has been really such a, a, a probably I feel like Alicia Keys was a, a proto was a kind of a a model for her to come out because Alicia Keys has abandoned her originality. Okay, in my personal opinion, that's why she can't fucking hardly do it no more. You know, she's kind of abandoned what's originally her. Alicia Keys is all over because you don't kind of fucking know where she's at. Like you, you, you kind of like she, she gonna hug a tree today. Is she going to, I don't know. We, we just don't know where she is anymore. So what her has done, her is come out kind of with a guitar and some piano playing skills, and she rebirthed Alicia Keys with a greater skill set. Oh, God. It's going to make people mad. But, but, but Alicia's lost in the south right now. Like, you can't figure her out no more. She's somewhere, like, I don't know. <laughs> So it's like, so you have to so she her has come out with some definition of herself. She uh, we can and I think that's part of the reason why she's making it and it is a great financial push behind her. And then she did the little trick, you know, she did the little mystery trick where she wore glasses like the first you know several months of her emergence, so she could be some sort of fucking mystery. Okay, like she she not only was super Alicia Keys with a piano piano playing and guitars and shit, she started wearing glasses to hide who the fuck she was. That was that's great. That's some great shit. <laughs> like Maxwell did. Maxwell did that bullshit. Like you know trying to hide, like hide me. Like nah, you too fucking cute. You better get your fucking ass out of here. You can't hide. What the fuck? Got seventy funds. Get your cute ass out here. That's a make these girls like you. <laughs> okay, but he had it. But he had it. Like you gotta have it. Like he emotes sexy women. Like damn. Like something. Something sound different when you see his ass on that video. You like oh bitch. Like whoa. Like yeah, yeah. Women, women it, it it gives a whole fucking other energy when you see his ass. You like 
Oh, that shit was good. Till the cops come knocking, when you see that video, when his ass crawling on that dirty floor, he's like, shit, but he's fine. We call him on the floor and shit, but he is fine. Okay, it changes that whole dynamic dynamic of that fucking song. Okay, when you see D'Angelo half naked on a video talking about how does it feel with all that body, it's, 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 and there's, it's a definition of, of an artist. You kind of get them. But people like Carrie and Deborah Cox and them get lost in the sauce because they just, they're very talented, but there's nothing, you can't see them. You don't know really how to define them. And I don't know if they can define themselves clearly. So I think that that's just like, you know, so I'm glad Carrie's doing movies right now because she needs movies, okay? Now, this Lust movie was a very bad movie, okay? Church people, quit writing movies and simplifying affairs. Because y'all know, if you, we try to simplify affairs so much. I mean, it's about a girl who was, I don't want to ruin the story for y'all in case y'all going to watch it. Yeah, but it what it was about. It was about a girl who's getting married, okay? And she, she, uh, her fiance kind of really didn't know who she was. Her fiance's best friend comes to town. She has some sort of sexual connection with him. She gets all hot for him. And it's a revenge fraud. It's, it's, it's about this. It's, they basing it on these books called The Seven Deadly Sins, okay? And the first one is lust, okay? And so she almost sleeps with her best. With the, the man, the, but you have to see the show, okay? But it's church people oversimplifying affairs, okay? And y'all know damn well. Y'all done did enough counseling nowadays in y'all churches and stuff to know that affairs are more full of complexities and relationships. And when people fall in love with people and they're married and everything, sometimes they don't always, sometimes people with the wrong ass people, church got to start confronting real shit. Like this is, you know, they don't really want to do They got to do it. You're going to have to do it, church. You're going to have to do it. I know you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. Because a lot of people that got married on the false, false pretenses and then they run into their soulmates. I mean, you got to start connecting to shit like that, okay? But it, it was, I, I thought the story was oversimplified. I thought it was very Chitlin Circuit play-like. But I'm glad to see Carrie in it because Carrie needs to keep keep out here with her acting chops, okay? Uh, the movie was bad, but I and I but and I'm glad to see the dude the dude that I said is the, should be the next Black Panther. Him out here doing movies, get, getting their faces out here. That's all I can. And Toya Lucky was in that. What's up, Latoya? That's why you get out here in these movies, girl. Get out here in these movies, all right? Toya needs to be out here in these movies too. So I love seeing that. Okay, now. What I want for Carrie is to stop the bullshit with Beyonce. Quit letting them interview you talking about Beyonce's punk ass. Don't let them do that no more. Okay? Yo, like, your career is not defined on Beyonce. And the next time, you know, start putting that as a clause before your interviews. I don't want to be asked about Beyonce. And if they ask you about Beyonce, take note of that reporter, answer the question politely and nicely, but never do an interview with them again and let them know afterwards. I won't do an interview with you because I asked you politely not to ask me about Beyonce. Beyonce, my career, I'm not in Destiny's Child. I wasn't in fucking Destiny's Child. I ain't Beyonce's fucking sister. I ain't nothing to Beyonce. There's no reason for y'all to be asking me questions about Beyonce. All my fucking interviews, something that happened, I said five or six years ago. 
That's bullshit. And that's something people trying to run around and usurp her energy. And it's got to stop. She's finally getting a career over there rooted in she acting, and I think that's where she needs to keep going. And I think that she needs to come back and revisit the music when she has been, when she's able to give her herself as an artist more, um, uh, more definition to who she is. Okay, can't be that fucking pretty girl rock. Okay, and she, I know she had a couple of other songs afterwards, but Carrie was not able to catch on because Carrie was out here trying to do what the Beyonces and Rihanna of the world uh, can do, and I don't see that for her as an artist. That's not, I don't think that's who she is. Okay. So I think there's something that, that at least that doesn't look like who she is. Okay. So uh, she looks like too wrong for that shit. So she's going to have to figure out something else. Okay. And and that's just, I say that for so many people. If y'all just going into that music business now, please have your understand who you are. I mean, really have a definition of yourself, you know, because there is, you know, that's the best artist have fun. You can be, you can have be a great voice. You can be a great singer. You can be all that. But if there is nothing about you that's remotely exciting or, you know, you know, show business is a different thing than going to sing every day at the cafe or your, or your donut shop, local donut shop or, um, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? impersonation and all that shit. It's different. Okay, you need to know who you are as an artist. Even if you don't think you know who you are, you need to emote. Like I just explained, a lot of the great artists emote something about themselves early. They, they You see it. You can see the definition of who this damn, she got it. Like, oh, damn, she's sexy. Or, damn, he's sexy. Or, damn, he got a, he, he got a, he got a, a power when he sings. I mean, the, the like even Michael Jackson has something different about his ass. Prince got something different about his ass. It's, it's, it's something that intrigues you. And so in order for people, you know, to – I remember hearing Kenny Lattimore. I talked about this all the time. Kenny Lattimore was talking about how he came along at Sony and he seemed to get lost in the shuffle because of Maxwell and everything. I was like, Kenny, no, that Maxwell wasn't your problem. The problem was – that you you had a great song for you, I will. But Kenny's one another one of mine. He's kind of vanilla. I mean, you don't know where he's at. You don't know who he is. But when you got an intriguing artist who comes out as mysterious and he's got a look and they got a something something about them that draws people, it's just that's just shit. And that's because they kind of understand themselves and they emote who they are to the world, they're not so vanilla. So you have to really find that uniqueness, even if the uniqueness is vanilla. You know, you got to, like Whitney Houston kind of showed the classic vanilla imagery in the 80s. You got to be able to feel, and she sold that shit across, classy, beautiful, you know, and Whitney did that shit, did it so that it's hard for other, you know, it's hard for other motherfuckers to come up and do it, okay? So it, it is what it is, okay? Uh, what else we got to talk about? I want to talk to you about the blood. You going to talk about that, the blood? Okay. It says, can blood from young people slow aging? Silicon Valley has bet billions it will, okay? Mm-hmm. I've been telling y'all, they've been talking about this for years. They were saying certain people was drinking people's blood. They be talking about people getting kidnapped. I, I thought people was crazy when they were talking about this. I said, what do you think? Nobody kidnapping nobody. 
And my mother told me this wild ass uh, conspiracy theory. She know, girl, they be up here. Girl, you know they be drinking people's blood. I, she said that's what they be doing is drinking these young people's blood. They be kidnapping them in some of these dreams to so see young people's blood. I said, what, who did you hear that from? <laughs> girl, I'm trying to tell you. I said, no. I said, you need to quit listening to these YouTube people. You can't listen to every YouTuber. No, you ain't hear that young that blood can make people younger. I thought they was crazy as fuck, but I guess not. Because we got an actual story about this thing, okay? About uh, about the Silicon Valley betting, and I'm trying to pull it all up here. It says, um, let's see, pull it if I can get it. Oh shit! Let me pull it up so you guys can see it. I'm going to pull an article up. I kind of lost it. But, I mean, I couldn't believe it because I think people, I thought, crazy, crazy, crazy cuckoo. So some of the conspiracy theories my mother be coming to me, I'd be like, for real, yeah. I mean, we, got to, yeah, we, we have to slow down on YouTube videos, okay? <laughs> oh, but she would probably really be really, like, saying to me, I told you if I tell her that I actually – See, uh, they actually do have uh, something on here about blood, uh, people drinking people's blood. So I'm going to try to pull it up here. Okay. It says, uh, the Spanish from uh, the Spanish firm Gerlof helped set off a kerfuffle last year when it, along with other firms, offered nearly double the going price for blood donations for a COVID-19 treatment trial. Brigham Young University in Idaho has threatened some enterprising students with suspension to keep them from intentionally trying to contact contract COVID-19. The trial failed, however, and now the Barcelona-based firm is hoping to extract something far more valuable from the plasma of young volunteers. I I I beg that it was probably the original intent, but I digress. That's just my theory. A set of microscopic uh, molecules that could reverse the price uh, process of aging itself. Earlier this year, Golas closed on a $146 million deal to buy Altahest, a company founded by Stanford University neuroscientist Tony Wisk, Corey, who along with Saul Valida, revealed in a science in scientific papers published in 2011 and 2014 that blood from young mice has seemingly miraculously restorative effects on the brains of elderly mice. Hmm. The discovery adds to a hot area of inquiry called geroscience uh, uh, that seeks to understand molecular and cellular mechanisms that make aging a major risk factor and driver of common chronic conditions and diseases of older adulthood, according to the National Institute of Health. In the last six years, ICOHAS has identified more than 8,000 proteins in the blood that show potential promise as therapies. Its efforts and those of Gorlos have resulted in at least six phase Two trials completed are underway to treat wide range of age-related diseases, including Alzheimer's, 
Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's, and a growing number of other geroscientists, uh, health startups signal a change in thinking about some of the most uh, interact. In- What's the intractable diseases facing the humankind? Rather than focusing solely on the uh, etiology of an individual uh, individual diseases like heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, and arthritis, or for that matter, COVID-19, geroscientists are trying to understand how these diseases relate to the single largest factor of all, human aging. Their goal is to hack the process of aging itself in the process are delayed or save off the onset of many diseases most associated with growing old. The idea that aging and illness go hand in hand is, of course, nothing new. What's new is the newfound confidence of scientists that aging can be measured, reverse engineered, and controlled. I have heard conspiracy theories talk about this for years, even accusing, like, the Queen of England of drinking young people's blood to stay alive. That shit, I've heard. I've heard all kind of conspiracy theories. It's a conspiracy theory. It's a ledge now. I mean, see, I'm just telling y'all what people been saying out here. And I laugh my ass off at them. Look, it's in Newsweek now. I said, y'all some crazy motherfuckers. Y'all think you're the Queen of England. <laughs> but they, people have been saying it for years, okay? Listen. It's kind of like that old Twilight Zone. Did I ever see the Twilight Zone where the uh, the lady, the movie star who never ages? I love the fucking Twilight Zone. The fucking Twilight Zones are the best. <laughs> Twilight Zones are real. I'm not talking about the new shit. I'm talking about old fucking black and white Twilight Zones. The original Twilight Zones, the best shit ever. Okay, but there's a uh, there's this uh, part in Alfred Hitchcock. I love Alfred Hitchcock too. Okay, but there's this old. Uh, uh, it's so funny because my grandmother got me into watching that when I was a kid. But Twilight, uh, the in the Twilight Zone, there's this elder, this woman, this movie star who never ages, right? And she, so many people have come to, you know, I guess a reporter, a young reporter, comes to try to do uh, um, a report on her because he's heard that she's over a certain age or whatever. But but what they what they don't know is that they, that she when when she has a little beetle thing or something or something in a jar or something and it sucks young people the young person's blood to make her keep being young. Fucking Twilight Zone is genius. It's like the Simpsons. It's like Twilight Zone be telling futuristic shit. <laughs> This is what we got. This is like that movie star. It's the cure is in young people's blood. You know they've been knowing this shit for years, right? They just trying to tell us now, wow, this is some of the craziest shit ever. <laughs> the world is crazy, okay? It's crazy. I'm telling y'all, it's, I'm telling y'all, y'all, it's low-key, nutty. It's, it's nutty shit, okay? I can believe I, I can't believe this now. Now I'm thinking that maybe they will run around here drinking blood. I don't know what the fuck y'all been doing all this time. <laughs> okay, Chinese government keeps a secret watch list on 700 Americans, including government workers, CEOs, and RV artist Ashanti, after they traveled through Shanghai Airport cybersecurity claims. So if you are an R&B artist and you travel through Shanghai, your ass is probably on the list. <laughs> It says the Chinese government has been keeping a secret watch list, and this is according to Daily Mail. Dot, 
uh, Tom, you, you can't. It says of uh, 700 Americans, including government workers, RB artists assigned after they traveled through Shanghai uh, Airport, according to Cybersecurity Group. A bombshell database leaked to Australian cybersecurity consultancy, Internet 2.0, and obtained by New York Post reveals China collected the names, dates of birth, and passport numbers of 697 U.S. citizens between 2018 and 2020. The data was collected when the individuals traveled through an immigration checkpoint at Pudong International Airport, uh, the Post reported. It was then stored on, on servers at the Shanghai Public Security Bureau, which reports to the centralized Ministry of Public Security in Beijing, China's main police and law enforcement authority. Among the Americans targeted were children, has as young as nine, a U.S. State Department employee in the Bureau of International Organization Affairs, and executives at the likes of Apple and Pfizer. In total, the database contains information over five, on over 500,000 foreigners who have traveled through Shanghai since 2017. Intelligent agencies in both the U.K. and Australia have lost investigations after it emerged last week that hundreds of citizens from both nations were on the watch list, okay? Uh, the database includes details about Grammy winner singer Ashanti Shikoya Douglas, including her name, birthday, and that she traveled through Pondong International Airport in August 2018, according to the Post. It also includes researchers and professors at the U.S. University including a high-ranking employer at New York uh, University of Shanghai. Okay, listen, let me stop it right here, okay? I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. So the fact that they kept these, these on these certain people, I wonder, you know, what could foreign governments use that to? You know, they could probably have been using that to, they could have given, get ready to blackmail somebody's ass, to be spies like Ashante's ass, to be a spy in the music industry and spy on other music uh, artists and shit like that. Ah, it's a lot of shit that can be done. Uh, these uh, Apple and Pfizer execs to spy on the newest technology and everything. They could be black collecting information. Oh, that's shit. That's scary. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. Watch your shit when you go out of these and you go in different places. You know, it's a world now where you can't, it's hard to be off the grid. The enemy of the state was real, real, wasn't it? Damn, you can't outrun the ass. They watching me. I need to play that song too one day when we get back. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Remember Rockwell? <laughs> Michael Jackson? It's real life now. Somebody is watching us. That's some real shit. It's crazy. It's crazy ass world. <laughs> okay, so uh, the next story I need to tell for y'all. Okay, whatever. Um, we talked about Black Lives Matter. Talk about Nick Cannon. Talk about Harry Hilton. Uh, Ti and Tiny has more accusers. Shit, y'all know. I mean, Lord, just you know. I wish y'all. I hope y'all. I wish y'all the best. Ti and Tiny. Shit, y'all look like y'all about. They trying to like kill your ass right now, okay? Mm, they keep them. Okay? Uh, and one thing that it is right now is kind of quiet, though. So, so they may still have some powerful people behind them trying to help them, okay? Uh, they're talking about Hollywood requiring vaccine passports. A lot of people are saying that. You know what I said about Hollywood requiring vaccine passports? What they need to do if that's going to happen, all they need to say is. Well, let's require STD passports, too, for all of Hollywood. Let's know, we need to know if you have AIDS. 
if you have HIV, if you have herpes, <laughs> musicians, singers, actors, you know, because it's funny to me. Now, you know, it's such intimacy that goes on on sets in Hollywood, and now they want a passport for COVID, but they didn't want a passport for HIV. When people had HIV, people were carrying it. But, you know, it's a lot of stores probably that secretly have HIV and diseases. They don't want to tell because of their security reasons. They carry STDs. If you know, it's a lot of fucking – you know how many people I've heard in the music business that got herpes? If they had a passport for herpes, have you got your – did you – have you been cleared of herpes? Okay, where's your passport? Hey, we need to see your passport before you get on this movie set that you don't have herpes before you kiss your co-star. <laughs> oh, that shit would be stopped immediately. Right? <laughs> shit, we might find out half a Hollywood guy. Please <laughs> stop that shit immediately. No STDs. STDs will stop that shit immediately. Have you had syphilis within the last six months before we let you film this music video, you know, we need to know if you've had syphilis. Have you had super gonorrhea? Hey, before we do this music video, we need you guys to be tested for gonorrhea. No, not just the help. They're not just the, the, the little video hoes. We need you to be tested too, celebrities. Y'all wouldn't be suddenly you wouldn't be out here. Y'all wouldn't be out here advertising COVID. Because they saying they're trying to get a passport for Hollywood stories that maybe it'll be a, a, a passport that shows that you got the vaccine or something. I'm like, no, fuck that. If, if it's going to be a, pass, a, 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 a COVID passport to be uh, to be singing, I mean, to go to concerts and stuff, well, I want to see if they bitch ass got herpes and STDs. I want to know everything. I want to know, do you have super gonorrhea? Uh, do you have your card that shows, because y'all be doing music videos with girls, kissing girls and music, that kind of shit. Can I see your... That your card that shows that you have been tested for all the STDs in the last year. See, that's what, you know, that's what's funny to me. You know, it's quick. They quick to be having a passport for, for COVID, but not not STDs. Like in Hollywood, especially where you do a lot of love scenes and shit like that. Crazy ass shit, okay? And now they want you to have one for COVID. Makes no fucking sense. But I say that the, the, you want to stop that celebrities from advertising shit and stuff. Say, let's have find out if you've been tested for HIV. Are you certain you're clear of HIV? Because you know that's a lot of them got HIV and ain't saying that. See, that's how what's the name got found out that actor. Okay, he broke that story on was it Charlie Sheen? It's a it's a whole lot more Charlie Sheens out there. It's a whole lot more Magic Johnsons out there. It's a whole lot of herpes ushers. I mean, allegedly ushers. Allegedly ushers said he didn't have it, but it's allegedly. It's a whole lot. Of people. Okay, let's cut the bullshit out. Okay, this is why HIPAA laws are important because you don't want people to 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 not hire you because of bullshit. So now HIPAA laws is when you start talking about sexual diseases, STDs and stuff like that, that's when you see Hollywood stars be starting. Suddenly it made me scared. So. <laughs>
Because they asses out here, we wild now, okay? When's the last time that you had your shot? <laughs> oh, my God. Do we talk about Hunter Biden having an affair with his brother's wife after his brother died? He said it was due to grief, allegedly. I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to go over it. Hunter Biden has so many. I mean, they hear all this shit about Hunter Biden during the election, and now they want he ready to talk about it. I mean, she can blame everything on the Dixon. I don't believe you, Hunter. I believe Hunter is a trip. And I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> I believe Hunter and his daddy is a trip. All right. Um, I won't talk much about that. Uh, Beijing has surpassed New York as the city's richest, uh, you know, city richest people. Not surprised there. Okay, I don't want to talk about that either. Matt James back with the alleged racist he chose. You know, Matt James the probably back with Rachel alleged Rachel alleged racist racist. Not say alleged because she did that party five or six years ago. But there's rumors that he's reportedly been hanging out with her in New York and back together. Didn't I tell y'all I would not be surprised about this bullshit because they picked his ass for a reason too, okay? He probably has his own issues with his own, his own with black people himself. Even, you know, you could be black and still be anti-black. I mean, you know, you see a lot of celebrities that way. A lot of black male celebrities, you know, like a lot of times there would be a black, a lot of black male celebrities who will, who will, who will be all for black causes and stuff like that, but they date nothing but white women. Okay, <laughs> they all black, all black women. <laughs> I mean, we can name them, but I won't. I'm just saying, you know, you could be our same thing with with black women. You have a lot of black women who are power to the people, black people, but they marry nothing and date nothing but white men. So are different people of different races, and and sometimes people have their own personal uh, anti-blackness within themselves. You know, because uh, you know the type of racism that black people have been under in America can create very uh, 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 real issues of self-hate, right? Uh, so when you when you find yourself falling in love with somebody of the opposite race, you always got to start asking yourself some questions about, you know, making sure that you don't you're not you don't have your own set of anti-black values against the opposite sex and your race, and that you are loving this person because you love them and care for them, and not because you're you know you mad at your black mama and you you got to hold all black women as your mama. And all that shit, uh, all black men is your your deadbeat black daddy and all that. This, this, this is not that. I mean, you know, that's not right. And that's a lot of a lot of people. Our people will deal with uh, self hate illnesses. Okay, so you gotta always uh, deal with that. And I feel like uh, uh, Matt. They knew what the fuck Matt was, and they they and they. That's why they chose him. That's why he he's out here now. He recently said this week. They said I heard he said that he's not back with her. They just meet up met up to talk. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Your ass should be embarrassed, okay? But it is what it is, okay? I'm not surprised if he is running around here uh, with her again. Okay. Trey Songs, they said, settles after being sued for $10 million over alleged sexual assault. I'm not going to say much about this either, except for have you men not learned anything from Bill Cosby? Have we not learned anything from Bill Cosby? Have we not? Bill Cosby settled years ago. Was it $3.38 million? And he still went to jail from 10 to 15 years later. They cracked open that settlement. 
and use that that settlement and put his ass right in jail. It don't pay to settle with these chicks if you really didn't do that because now they can put you in jail ten about ten years later from that same settlement shit. Okay, I'm just telling y'all, be careful out in the streets. Sometimes you might need to find you a Johnny Cocker and fight that shit. Okay, and MLB moved all star games to Denver. They went from all black city to a mostly all white one. <laughs> Bullshit. Talking about they fighting for for civil for the vote rights. See, see, they they play. They, these corporations are playing the shit out of y'all. Stacey Abrams included. Stacey Abrams was like, suddenly when they was moving our the MLB All Star game out of uh, Atlanta, oh, Stacey got real. which is Atlanta, and they moved it out of that city to a mostly white state. <laughs> Hilarious. Black people, this is why we can't be, we can't be playing checkers, and we got to play chess. These Democrats will fuck you up in these streets, okay? I said that, but I said that Atlanta, I want to see how Atlanta looks within the next four years. Business wise, and as you begin to, since you're a democratic state, this turned blue. I want to see what effects that the Democrats have on black entrepreneurial FBA businesses, foundational black American businesses. I want to see what happens. I just want to see MLB uh, protesting your city. In the after a rough phase like the COVID pandemic tells a lot. It's not going good because I know y'all need some coins from MLB. Some bullshit. I said it is some bullshit. And I told you what these white liberals, a lot of these white liberals are doing are trying to put race up front to cover their their own white supremacist actions to bring down black businesses and everything. They pretend anybody to be your friend while stabbing you in the back. Damn shame. Mm-mm-mm. We're fighting. We're trying to fight for your right to vote. <laughs> so we're going to take all the business we have, and we know that a lot of black businesses in Atlanta are struggling, and struggling but we're going to take it all over here to the white business because you won't let the, the, the you won't. You you got some antiquated voting laws. It's bullshit. The, 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 some of these voting laws is 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 uh, uh, less than some of the other some of these other places they talking about. Including Joe Joe Biden's hometown Delaware. I mean, full of shit. Okay, y'all can go vote and get y'all IDs and shit. Bullshit. They trying to do. Bullshit. It's some things I disagree with. Like you know, I definitely think they need to make sure that older people can get their IDs. But other than that. You motherfuckers don't know how to get to the uh, voting thing on time to get your votes in. And you, that's why I kind of don't ever believe this. You know how to put your uh, – I, I never kind of believe the voting thing about the send-ins, but I'm going to digress from that tonight. Y'all know how to put y'all – send in y'all uh, uh, absentee ballots and all that stuff on time. And it, 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 it's nothing that you can't do, okay? <laughs> they ask you who was the – who was the 25th president of the United States? What laws did he pass that year? What laws did Congress pass in 1822? Now, that's Jim Crow shit, okay? That was that. How do you spell uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh, uh, uh, uh, uh, uh, I don't know. How do you spell a hard-ass word? Uh, shit, I don't know. How do you spell something? I mean, that's the shit they did in Jim Crow. But asking you to go get your fucking ID. And asking you to go to to, to show up as a vote now so mess up <laughs> during voting hours and shit. Come on now, come on y'all. Y'all can do that. Y'all can do that. <laughs> that ain't a loss to MLB, the major league baseball, who y'all need the money in the major black city with black businesses. And black employees who need to, to want to go back to work, and probably uh, something like the MLB could take some people out of furlough and everything. <laughs> it goes to Colorado. The Democrats ain't shit. <laughs> oh, neither are the Republicans, but the Democrats really ain't shit. Oh, Lord, that's the end. That's the end tonight. Oh, my God, I've enjoyed it. Y'all know I have. <laughs> Like I said, do all my favorite things tonight. <laughs> now I will go and check myself into the Ramada Inn. That's, I just Beyonce that hard tonight where I need to just check myself into the No, I don't think I did. I think I'm good tonight. Okay, I don't have to check in. I'm good. I'm in Ramada Inn. Okay, I don't have to check into the Ramada Inn. So, please come to the end of the show. I'm sure you've been fully entertained. <laughs> I entertain my damn self. But, you guys... <clears throat> Make sure, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, that you enjoy, uh, you know, uh, make sure, remember what I said, enjoy your life, live every day to the fullest. Remember, when you're out from the silo, it goes back into the park. That's the lesson we learned from the day, right? And, you know, prayers and everything to DMX's family and his loved ones, people who lost a DMX man, very sad. But, um yeah, and so I'm just wishing you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, and I don't know if there'll be a part two. I think I got real. I think I did everything tonight. I think I'm good. I think I've done everything tonight. I'm so proud of myself. Pat on the back, girl. <laughs> okay, you guys. I will see you next Saturday, maybe. Is we going to be back next Saturday? I think I am. I think I am. Unless something happens earlier in the week and I want to come on and talk, I'll do so. <laughs> But you guys have a good one. We're going to end it tonight with, oh, shit, I don't know. Let's end it with Anthony David. I love Anthony David forevermore. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. Remember, you can hit me up at the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up at C Chatwood Show on Twitter and Carlotta72 on Twitter. You can also hit me up on Instagram on Carly's underscore galaxy, okay? And remember, if you want to leave me any messages concerning the show or something I said or whatever, always make sure you do that at the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. It's so much easier for me than my emails and stuff because sometimes it takes me a long time to check the emails, but I usually check y'all messages right on the Carlotta Chatwood page. And y'all send them to me, a lot of times I get them. Okay, even if it's if it be a couple of weeks down the line, I do get them so then I do anything else, okay? So uh that's it everybody. Have a good one. We're going out with Anthony David. I'll see y'all. <laughs>
longer than a wedding ring Generations tattoo with the love we bring From the seeds we sow To the time it takes to grow Long enough to show you 